Hi, my name is Kevin Smith and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, the East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Lee Gillis. And we've got another fun-packed, fully-filled episode this week for you. I think you're going to enjoy this one. We're going to be chatting to Captain East Fife, Kevin Smith, later in the show. We're going to be having our usual chat about East Fife news and some Scottish football news and all our favourite segments are going to be back this week. And just before we get into that, what's your week been like, Lee? A little bit hectic this week. A lot of stuff going on at work, but you want to know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. We're in the countdown to the new season. Yes. We're six sleeps to go now until we play the, the unwashed mob next week, so... Do you want to what? This week is literally a case of getting through. And Michael's sitting here today wearing his original Cowden family T-shirt, which I'm absolutely in awe of. It's I'll let good you, quality still, amazingly. I'll let you decide why I'm in awe of it, but it's impressive that you still got it more than anything else. Yeah, well, this is most of my wardrobes. dates back to the 90s, so it's kind of why. I'll tell you what my week involved... I got to attend my first live football match since the end of February. Nice. I, I had the chance to go to the Whitecaps games, which I turned down because to get there, I had to go on public transport and stuff. So I didn't really want to do that. So the local amateur league that I've talked about that I cover and I kind of do videos and stuff for is back up and running. It is under COVID restrictions, though. They're not allowed to take throw-ins. They're doing kick-ins. Um, the players aren't allowed to like clear their nose or spit. And if they do that, they have to get subbed off for 15 minutes. Slightly bizarre rule. The kick-ins kind of worked. And you're not allowed to crowd the referee and all that kind of stuff. So it was just nice to get out just watching football again. And it was just just a, a, a local park. Videoed it. It's up on the AFT in Canada a YouTube channel if anyone wants to check it out. I, I just love that. It's like grassroots football. And a lot of these guys have played in leagues in Europe. They're ex-pros. So, I mean, it, it's it's just nice to be back. So, hopefully, a lot of you guys in Scotland can get along to some games pretty soon. Yeah, let's, let's cross our, our fingers and our toes. It makes me a little bit sad that we'll, we'll not get to the, the Cowden game next week. But yeah. looking forward to hopefully catching that on EFTV. So, before we go any further, though, Lee, let everyone know who this week's sponsors are. As always, big thanks to Kevin at KJK Installations. Remember to give Kevin a shout for any of your joinery wants or needs. Always, again, um, a regular sponsor for us, John Scott Neal. Thank you so much for your continued support. Yeah, I'm hoping KJK will be able to do home visits out to Vancouver. 
because I'm needing some stuff done in the house and I'm useless at that. Yeah, well, to be honest, and this is going to be one that I'll get slaughtered for, but like my wife has a toolbox and I don't. Like I'm the least like manly man ever when it comes to anything that's remotely DIY. Rachel's got a degree in design, so it's like she had to build furniture and stuff at uni. Um, wow. So he's a little bit more um, handy than me. The only thing that I've done in the house that could be classed as DIY is I put up a key holder for our keys at the front door. Um, and even then it's squint and I've never changed it. I'm just keeping it there and I'm happy that it's squint. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm useless at that. I can build Ikea cabinets and stuff and I've got one that's on its way just now. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But no one wants to hear us talking about how bad we are at DIY. They do want to hear us talking about football. And the season is close to getting underway. We've got another friendly in the books. It was a 1-0 loss to Dunfermline. And by all accounts, it was some slack defending in the opening minutes. But then the the team held their own against a a championship side after that. That's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember Dunfermline are are full-time. And, and, you know, they've got a a really decent squad about them. So to to, to only lose 1-0 is respectable, considering they're in the same league as the Hearts, who absolutely trounced us the week before. So, Mm. you know, I think that Dan's getting a feeling that he's got his 11 or B and he'll be sitting at home tonight knowing what his 11 is going to be and how he's hoping to play at the start of the season so I'm looking forward to that um, obviously not had any goals in our, our last two outings um, but I'm, I'm sure that we'll, we'll put uh, cow and beef to the sword um, next week and, and we'll, we'll start to see the, the real East Fife shall we say next week Well not our last two outings because we did score against Socky but the, the two games that we've played against higher opposition is the ones that we haven't scored in now I know it's pre-season but I mean, one, one thing we were going to do during the season as we break down games, I thought we could kind of do a glass half full, glass half empty, look at, at what we're taking from the matches. So, I mean, your glass half empty from the pre-season is we've played two teams above us and we've not been able to break them down and scored goals despite having a potent attack. Now, the glass half full side of that is we're not going to be playing against such strong defences for most of the season, Partick and, and Falkirk maybe aside, but... Once we get going, and once we see how that attack is linking, I'll be maybe a little bit more at ease, I think. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you've only got to look at the attacking quality in our squad. That, that you know, we spoke a bit about this with Danny last week and Kevin this week is, you know, don't get me wrong, you'll be looking at Cove, you'll be looking at Falkirk, you'll be looking at Partick going, good squad, good squad, but they'll be looking at us going, East Fife have got a good squad. And so, so should, you know, Jack Hamilton, I, I still think is going to be a major coup for us. Um, I've spoken to a few people that um, know what his ability is like on a regular basis and, and they can't believe that we've actually managed to sign him. Um, so I think that between him, Danny Swanson, you've got Kev, you've got Ryan. I've not seen enough of Thomas Collins yet to, mm. to really pass comment per se. Um, but from what I've seen of him so far, I've liked um, so, I mean, going forward, you know, then you've got, like, Scott Agnew chips in with goals, you've got Adam Dunsmore's going to chip in with goals. So, I mean, look, I'm I'm not worried about going forward. I am still a little bit worried about us at the back. Um, I, I still think that we're probably a left-back, really, and it's no disrespect to Pat Slattery, a player that I like a lot, but I think that we, we could really do... Uh, you know, Pat's a, a makeshift left-back. You know, it's, it's not his natural position. I would like to see somebody that's really, really confident in, in the position there. De- defensively, they're certainly going to be tested this year. And 
right now you have to say, if you're looking at the top four, Partick and Falkirk's got two of those spots. So realistically, it's herself, Airdrie, Cove, maybe Montrose, Perming two from three, two from four for that. That's good odds. Yeah, look, again, I'm not... I'm not really concerned. I'm, I'm not. I've, 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 I've got all the faith in the world to Darren and Tony that they know what they're doing and, and the shape of our squad and how it looks. Don't get me wrong, I think Montrose had a good season. They've got a great manager in, uh, in Petrie, um, who I, th- I think that, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I would, I'd love to have had the East Fife at some point, but I think that he'll go into bigger and better things. And I still believe that we'll lose Darren at some point this season. Not that I want to, but I think that, look, you, you look at what happened with Barry Smith, you look at what happened with Gary Nay Smith, you, you know, we aren't a massive club. There, there is more appeal than us, as much as fans would don't want to see that. If Dan gets a chance at a full-time club, he's got to take it. You know, he, he definitely yeah, has to take it. So we've got to think about it realistically. I hope that we could keep him to the end of the season and make a really good go into the playoffs. I don't think we would win the playoffs, but we would definitely be in rush out. I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to say we'll finish third this year. Oh, see, I'm thinking fourth, but I'm thinking it'll be a bit more comfortable than it's kind of been going down to the wire the the last little time. But I'm I'm confident we can do it. I'm just looking forward to seeing these competitive games. Anyone that listens to to this podcast from out with the UK, you can actually sign up for an EFTV gold plan. It's £100 for the year, which I'll be honest, I may or may not get. The, the issue with me is the games are live at 7am. I'm not sure that I'm going to commit to getting up at that time to watch everything live. So in previous years, I've just been primarily watching highlights apart from the, the odd game here and there. Obviously, there's a the midweek games, depending on work and stuff that I can watch as well. But of course, if the club would love to be very generous and give us a, a free East 5 TV subscription for this season so that it, it feels that I have to get up and watch these games so we can talk about them in the show. I would very much be grateful and appreciate that. Just throwing that out there because, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. Sometimes you do ask and you still don't get. But we'll see what happens. The, the time for friendlies is now over. It's our first competitive game. This will come out on Sunday. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, it'll be two more sleeps by, by that point. It's Cowden. The Cowden family are coming to Bayview in the Betfred Cup. Followed very quickly four days later by another Fife Derby as we head to Starks Park. Now, not sure what we can really make from Cowden's pre-season because they've played four and they've won three, but they lost 1-0 to the only league opponent they played, which was Montrose. They beat Dundee North End 4-1, Broughty Ferry 2-1, and most recently a a narrow 1-0 win over civil service strollers on Tuesday. I'm genuinely not worried about this one. I know they beat us last year. I know we've struggled against Cowden. We don't do well in five derbies, apparently, for whatever hicks we have on the team. I'm confident going into this one. Tell me I'm wrong. I hate Cowden beef with every fibre of my soul. Um, But, again, you know, they just always seem to grit against us kind of like what Rovers did we seem to be like oil and water you know it's just, it doesn't seem to work for us but I'm going to go by it um, and like there's not going to be another episode between now and then so we'll do our predictions I'm going to go 3-1 
And I'm going to back Jack Hamilton to score two. And, uh, I'm going to back our friend now, Danny Swanson, to, to get in the score sheet. I'll go 3-0. I'm confident of that. And I'll go with Swanson, Hamilton and Wallace. The front three getting the job done right away. So we'll, we'll add this to, to our Lee versus Mike section, which is yeah. Um, and we'll see who's right at the end of the year. But we'll need to think of a forfeit. So Michael and I have been talking about, obviously, Michael likes a lot of the uh, food over the UK that he misses. And I like a lot of the food that he can get over in Canada, being a, an elephant, as Michael called me earlier, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that we'll maybe need to do some sort of snack-related bet. And yeah, we'll that's fair. The loser at the end of the season will have to send something over. Awesome. Moreland's pies, get those over. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've found some good pie places here, so I mean, that's good. I I had a look to try and work out who Cowden's danger man was going to be, and it's kind of hard to really tell. Oliver Hamilton strikes me as the guy to watch. He's an 18-year-old striker. He's on loan for the second season from St Johnston. He only got four goals from them last year in 26 league appearances, but... He's a guy that is highly thought of by the Saints. I mean, he could be the danger man, but I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that we've got what it's going to take to handle that. It'd be nice to get off to a winning start as well. Don't want a draw. I know the chances of us getting through this group's maybe slim, judging by what happened in that Hearts game. It, but it was a friendly and it, it was a very strong Hearts team. So we'll see how that plays out. The the big test is obviously going to be four days later on Saturday when we play Wraith. Whole different kettle of fish in that one. Now, they've also played four pre-season friendlies and they've won three in quite emphatic fashion. Beating Dundee United, impressively, 2-1. Steny, 5-2. Obviously, we beat Steny. And they beat Berwick 4-0. But then they also did lose very heavily, as we touched on last week's show, thanks to Anton Dowds, 6-2 to Falkirk. So I, I don't know what you can read into any of that, but it's a five derby. It's against the Rovers. Both teams are going to be up for it, despite no fans being there. And I don't know what to expect from that one. No, um, look at this. The Rovers are a good side. You know, let's not take away from them, let's not shy away from it. You know, they, they might have scraped up by the skin of their teeth on a technicality, but, you know, they deserve to be where they were. I, I think that they were the best team that we played against last season, that they were a better side than Rovers. You know, we've, we've got to, you know, be try and be neutral-minded when it when it comes to this. I think that I, I don't fancy us in that game, to be honest. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pessimistic there and I think that we've had a good one against them um, and I'll happily admit when I'm wrong but I, I see a, a, a 2-0 defeat in that one. Ah, and I see I fancy a 2-1 defeat in that but I feel Rovers will go to a two-goal lead and then we'll just get a, a late consolation. I'll go with Thomas Collins to get his first goal. Just We'd love to see him do that. Oh, I mean, we, we, you talked earlier, you don't know what to expect from Collins. What I like about the current situation is You've got Hamilton, who is going to be hungry to show that he's a lonely guy that needs to be earning his spot as a starter. But you've got Collins, who's going to be very hungry as well, who's like, I, I clearly need to score to get in the mix here. And that can only be good for us because you've got guys that know I have to perform to get in the team. It depends, though, because if you look at somebody like Ryan Wallace, he's not an out-and-out goal scorer, but he contributes so much as a whole to the team. 
I see Thomas Collins as more of a Ryan Wallace. I don't think that he's going to be a more of a an out-and-out striker. I think that he'll be more somebody that could get the ball down, run at people, and then put it, you know, cut it across goal or cross it across for Jack Hamilton to nod them in. So, you know, when we look at our team, we seem to now, with the signing of Hamilton, it got ourselves a good front line of a mixture of different kind of players. So you've got Kev, who, you know... Is, Again, not an out-and-out striker, can obviously score a goal, but you know he, he, he he's more bring players into play. You've got Ryan Wallace, who's the same. You've got Jack, who's an out-and-out striker. You've then got um, Thomas Collins, who, again, is a bit of an unknown entity, but I, I, I think that Hamilton's going to be our, our main man going in, just like what Dowds was for us last season. Yeah, definitely. last little thing to mention in this section is there were some interesting news came out in that League 1 and League 2 teams have voted to go with the five subs as we're seeing across the world but the championship teams have decided not to they'll still just have the three subs and because there wasn't enough support from the Premier or Championship teams, all the playoff games at the end of this season is also just going to be three subs. Strange baffling, disappointing but I think we could maybe read some darker undertones in this, Lee. Yeah, I, I think that you, you've probably got a lot of teams in on the side of caution. That you know, obviously, you're going to look at the, the bigger sides in the league. You know, your your Hearts, your your Dundee to to see. You know, they they're going to have pretty big squads as a whole, and um, that'll be able. Um, I don't know, they'll maybe be able to take more advantage of their five subs, maybe more than the likes of Arbroath would, and it's not disrespect to Arbroath on the right side. You know, up against the, the bigger t- the teams with bigger budgets, you know, I, I would, if I'm being honest, I would look to weaken my team, eh, the teams that I'm playing against in any way I can, and three subs would definitely do that. Yeah. I mean, especially in the playoffs, if it's getting down to that, it's going to favour the, the bigger teams, especially... Premier over Championship and then Championship over League One as well. Maybe not as much between League One and League Two. But yeah, it was a strange one. You'd think they would just want to try and get as many players just on the pitch and just keep folk fresh because the games are going to be coming thick and fast. Hopefully there isn't any outbreaks that's going to get games called off because you're going to have games called off with the weather. And if there's any COVID games outbreaks as well then you're talking about a really packed schedule so you kind of want to have these players rested and subbed out as much as possible but I mean we'll see how it all goes this is our last podcast hopefully for the whole season where we're we're not talking about things that might happen we're going to be back into the competitive action we're going to be actually saying have you watched and that kind of brings us nicely onto this week's have you heard yeah, and a, a bit of a, a curveball because you're not going to be hearing from me in this section. We're no. hearing from someone else. Now, I can only apologise in advance for whatever Dribble Michael's going to play, but I'm going to be honest with you, I know who he's going to play this weekend. It's going to be a bit different from the sort of music that I normally choose, but I think you'll like it. I think you will as well. L- look at it this week. Like Lee and me are kind of doing a Freaky Friday swap. Lee's going to do Wavelength. I'm doing Have You Heard. It's like when you go to work wearing your, your partner's underwear. I only do that on Saturdays. So. Well, yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Folk will be listening to this on Sunday. It's, it's going to be like that. So for this week's Have You Heard, we're going to a part of Fife 
that Lee loves. It's Balingri. You've heard him speak so beautiful about it in the past. It's such a, a scenic, beautiful part of the country. And, you know, for all of our American listeners, a big shout out to, to Stephen Brandt, who's been promoting us across the pond. Stephen, we love you. If I keep saying all the good things. Have a little look at Balingri on, on, um, on Google Maps. You know, think about when you've watched Braveheart or when you've watched any of these sort of, you know, Highlander, you know, think of the exact opposite of that. Think about Chernobyl, and that'll give you an idea more of what Bling is like. <laughs> Even I feel that's a little harsh. <laughs> On Chernobyl? Oh. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. What good has come out of Balingri apart from the B920? Well, <laughs> it's a four-piece band called the Paris Street Rebels. That's who. Comprising of Grant G. Malcolm, not the Grant Malcolm that goes to watch his fife, sadly, on vocals guitar, Kevin Murphy Jr. on vocals and guitar, Jordan Jazz McLean on bass and vocals, and Cameron Cammy Gordon on drums. It's a, a four-piece band, you could describe them a, a little bit punk, but they also have very much, for me, a Libertines vibe to them. A lot of their songs have that kind of Libertines feel. If anyone knows the Canadian kind of punk pop band Billy Talent, there's a little bit of that sound to them as well. So they, they've been on the go for a few years now. They've had a lot of attention throughout the UK, and I, I think they are close to, to maybe making a, a big breakthrough. Their latest single came out at the end of August. We're going to play that for you now. It's available on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you can get your music. Make sure you do. Make sure you support some local music. This is the Paris Street Rebels with Diane. I'm apathetic as bullshit reigns in our latest cage. Today is it a fire or the fever? Keeps me from the nine till five. I sacrifice the day love. You're my new love. It's pharmaceutical, not so strange. Yeah. 
He's a dog, a cheat, a thief, down on my knees, begging, please don't come my way. Won't you come my way? Diane, Diane, Diane. Cause I'm a disease, a dog, a cheat, a thief, down on my knees, begging, won't you come my way? Won't you come my way? Diane, Diane, So the Paris Street Rebels there from Balingri and Fife with their song Diane, released at the end of August. You can get it in all the usual places, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, support local music. There's a lot of good stuff from them as well. You can also find a lot of their stuff on YouTube. Some particular favourite songs of mine, Nightcrawler, Villains, and I really like Freak Show as well, but we wanted to bring you their more recent there. So let us know what you think about that, and as always, if you have any good recommendations for Fife or Edinburgh bands, get in touch and we'll hopefully bring them uh, along on the show. And Lee will be back with his selection next week. Yeah, we're going to try and take it turnabout um, so that we're getting a bit more uh, variety. Um, as Tony Charletta would say, spice of life, you know, he, that's one of his big quotes. And, you know, variety is a spice of life. So we'll try and mix it up and maybe do a week about. You're going to absolutely love the um, wavelength that I've brought you this week. It's an absolute belt. And I've not even told Michael it yet. No, I'm curious to see if it's one that I've played because I've been playing songs weekly since 2017. So I'm hoping you can find something that I don't know because I'm running out of songs. I really have probably got about another six months of football songs I can play. And then that's it. Apart from really, really shit ones by clubs. But anyway, we'll get to that later in the show. It's time now for our feature interview. And it's with a man that has 16 seasons in the pro game. Six and a half of them spent at Bayview. He's a current club captain. He is not the guy that did the Jane Silent Bob films. I was disappointed to find that out. But he is the one, the only, Kevin Smith. So delighted now to say that we are joined by a a particular favourite of mine, the man responsible for the Jay and Silent Bob movies. Oh, wait a minute. That's a different Kevin Smith. Oh, no, this this is another, another Kevin Smith that is a particular favourite of mine. It's a man who has is in his current 16th season in the professional game. And he spent six and a half of those seasons at Bayview. Now, according to our dodgy research on Wikipedia and Transfer Market, which we've found out is patchy at the best of times... 312 appearances across all competitions, 71 career goals. At East Fife, we're making it 177 appearances 
and 33 goals. I'm sure he'll correct me if I'm wrong. Welcome to the show, Kevin Smith. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Do those sound right, those stats? Or do you not keep stats? I don't really keep them, no, but everyone always asks me and um, they seem to always get muddled up. But no, they sound probably a bit accurate. Well, the day that we're recording this, it's Wednesday, so we're less than a week away from the season getting underway. Uh, When this comes out on Sunday, we're only going to be two sleeps away from the first competitive game of the season at home to Cowdenbeath. So in honour of that, I dug out, Lee has not seen these, I don't think, before, my AFTN No Soap in Cowden (laughs) t-shirt. And I'm wearing my Cowden family away from the numbers t-shirt as well. (laughs) Well done, I like that, good. Only produced 10 of those back in the 90s, and I've no idea where the rest of them went. If anyone's listening that has one of these, I'd love to know if they still exist or whatever. But we're not here to talk about my t-shirt collection. We're here to talk about your career, the season to come. Before we get into your career, just what's the mood like in the squad right now? Game's about to kick off, you've had some friendlies in the belt. I guess everyone's just itching to, to get at it. No, definitely. It's been um, it's been such a long period of time, you know. Um, I think it's since about March time we've, we've not done any football. Um, so uh, we're, we're itching to get back. We've seen the cup draw. We know uh, there's got to be some some good games in there. Uh, a shorter season. Uh, I think it's only 27 games. We're looking forward to that as well. New players in. Uh, managed to keep the majority of players, which we're happy with. Um, so, uh, the club's in a good place and, and everyone's itching at the bit to sort of get back and play, uh, get playing football again. Well, we'll have a look at your time at East Fife and what might lie in store this season, but we're also going to take your journey through your, your career today. And as I mentioned, this is your, your 16th season in, in the pro game and you come from a, a footballing family. Your dad played for a number of teams. A lot of folk will know him from his time at Hearts. I know him from his time at East Fife. I've, I watched him play. I started watching East Fife in the mid-80s, so I, I saw your dad play. Uh, I, I didn't know for the longest time that Pogo Smith that we had was your dad. So when I found that out, I was like, holy shit, that's superb. Uh, <laughs> I mean, your brother's obviously a footballer as well. Was it always written in the stars that you were going to be involved in the game at, at some point? Um, probably when you look at it now, you, you probably think that. And um, as, as far back as I can remember, you know, I was, I was always kicking a ball. I was always going to, uh, to watch my dad at the tail end of his career playing, playing junior football, uh, watching football. My uncles, they all played uh, junior football. Um, all my friends played football. They went on to have decent uh, decent careers, whether it be junior or professional. So I just the whole family was really was really sort of uh, football family. And I was probably probably quite rightly saying that I was I was going to be involved in some sort, whether at what level was probably debatable, but I always loved playing it. So uh, whether it was playing it or watching it or um I always sort of loved it. So i so lucky to be sitting here today having played so many games and been at so many so many decent clubs. And I know you've got four years on, on your younger brother, but I mean, how competitive was it growing up in that household with the, the two of you wanting to play football? It, it probably was. Um, you know, Gordon is obviously four years younger, so there was a wee bit of a gap. Um, so I think if it, maybe that would be a couple of years, I might have been a wee bit more competitive. But it was more, to be honest, it was more probably him looking at me to help him than anything. You know, he wasn't really big enough or strong enough to, to really take part in, in the games that we had with our friends and the local pitch and things like that. But um, he, would, he was quite always quite big for his age, so he was always willing to give it a go. And um, 
Aye, there was a wee bit rivalry there, but um, Gordon obviously had natural talent as well. You could see it for a young age when, when he was kicking a ball. You, you mentioned you, you watched your dad at the tail end of his career when he was playing juniors and stuff. Did, did you get a chance to get to many games as a kid? Like, Did you grow up supporting a particular Edinburgh team? or I mean, Did you have a footballing hero that you kind of wanted to be like when you were, you were a kid? Probably just, um, I, I did get to look at my dad's game, uh, more as a manager. He was a manager in Musselburgh Juniors and things like that. So I used to get, to, so, you know, that's the one that sticks in my head. Um, my dad was a Hibs fan, so he used to take me to road uh, quite a lot. Uh, the rest of the family are Hearts fans, but for some reason my dad, my dad was a hibby, so I'd probably sway towards Hibs. Um, even though he played with Hearts, and, and so did my brother. But no, it was all good memories, you know, and and uh, ones that I'm probably lucky to have uh, compared to other people. Um, I can't remember watching him, though. Maybe he's player manager when when I see him, seen him playing a wee bit. Um, but it was more when when, as I say, he was he was in the junior leagues uh, managing. What's your earliest memory then of playing football and when did you know that you had what it took that you could actually make it as a pro? As a pro? Um, well, obviously early on I was one of the better ones with all my friends, you know, we had a good team, we went in to, to lift a few cups even at primary school and we got to the semi-final of the Scottish Cup in high school and you could always sort of, without sounding arrogant, you can see that maybe a little bit better than, 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 than our players. Um, in terms of making it as a professional, um, I don't think you ever really you ever really feel like you've made it, you know, when you get to maybe 16, you try and push in the reserves and then you, then you try and get in the first team. Then when you're in the first team, you want to go to maybe a bigger club or try and get a move here. So I never really felt there was a specific time that you know, I've made it. Uh, maybe when you look back and you look over your career, you'll think it like that. But you know, every, every season's a fight, um, you know, to, to try and establish a place in the team for a start, to try and do well for the team. Um, so you never really get time to take it for granted and look at it like that. Well, I, I never mm. did anyway. Yeah, because we had Danny on last week and he said even when he signed his first deal with Berwick, he still didn't feel he'd made it or if he was going to like do it. And I guess so many kids do sign contracts and then don't sort of make it and kind of just disappear from the game. Now, you you came through the youth ranks at Walls End Boys Club in Tyneside. Now, how did that come about? I know your dad had a spell down at Berwick. So, I mean, did he have contacts down there? How did you end up playing? No, that's uh, it's not true. That's on my Wikipedia. I think yeah. it's not actually true. I never, yeah, everyone always asks me that. No, I never played with Walls End Boys Club. No, so I was, uh, <laughs> should have done your research, you see. Who did I get that question from, Leave, and you sent your questions through? <laughs> you asked it, you've got to take the blame. I know, I no, had I... him down to ask this originally. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you never played, so who did you come through the youth ranks with then? Um, I actually came through in Edinburgh, we, um, it was just like, you know, uh, Hibs Boys Club, Hearts Boys Club, um, I started the Diner Hibs, so it was all these teams that had sort of associations with, with Hibs and Hearts. Um, I think I was at Celtic Boys Club for a bit as well uh, before eventually. So, you know, it was an initiative at the time and you went into an initiative team. So, aye, so I think it was uh, initiative level. I started at Hibs. I actually went to Hearts and then I went to Livingston. Um, so I, I was sort of always travelled about. Um, my dad, when I, I never knew this till later on, but at the time my dad sort of knew you, know, you had English scouts coming to the games as you went to 12, 13, 14, 15. Mm. Um, and the longer you stayed at a club, they were entitled to compensation. And my dad sort of had an inkling that I had a chance of going down south and he always thought that might be an option. Um, so he always changed my clubs every, every year as I got older. So I was never five or six years at one club. And that meant that there wasn't any compensation or anything like that due to a certain club to, to, to when I went down south. 
<laughs> so obviously you, you were a hippie growing up, Kev, um, and obviously your brother Gordon was a Hearts fan. So how did that come about? Was there ever a chance, obviously, going to Hibs to, to play there in your career? Yeah, I had loads of options in Scotland. You know, um, I was at, as I say, I was at Hibs initiative, um, and then the natural progression would have been probably, you know, like say um, who signed for Hibs, you know, like say Stephen Fletcher and. Uh, like yeah. Jamie McCluskey, Kevin McCann, boys like that. And they were, we were also in Scotland under 15s, 16s together. Um, and I decided, I knew first, for, for maybe, I think I started going on trial down south at like 13, 14. Uh, I got offered a professional contract with Leicester when I was uh, 14. Um, and they were going to do the last couple of years in my school down there. So I sort of had a wee incline that I was never going to sign with Hearts or Hibs or um, Celtic Rangers or anything like that. I was always going to sort of go down south. And did you ever, maybe once, obviously, your down south spell ended, did you have the chance to, to go back to Hibs? I never, no, not that never came about. Um, as I say, I, I left Sunderland and I ended up, uh, Craig Levine had me as a youth team player at Hearts when I, when I was maybe before I went to Hibs. Uh, so he was a Dundee United manager at the time, so he obviously knew me. Um, so the natural thing was for me to sort of go in there because he sort of knew what type of player I was, what I could do, things like that. So no. No, I never came back up. I just ended up at United. I mean, you got your move into the, the professional game, the Leeds, in 2005. So, I mean, I was having a look at some of the players that were in the squad at that time. You had like Eric Backer, Rob Hulls, David Healy, Fraser Richardson, like some, some top, top players. How did, how did you get your move to Leeds? So how did that, you know, a, a boy from Edinburgh just seemed to be plucked and then obviously down at Leeds. And... How did you find going from being youth football up here to straight into the professional game in England? Um, I think, well, first of all, it first came about because, as I say, English clubs have got a lot of scouts in Scotland. Um, and I'm guessing they did at that time. I'm guessing they probably still, uh, they still will. Um, Leeds, at the time, you know, they were, like, when I was 15, I was going down. They had, you know, even some bigger players than you mentioned in the semi-final of the Champions League. They had, like, Robbie Fowler, Robbie Keane, uh, Alan Smith, Mark Viduka, you know, players like that. Um, so I was going down watching these guys train um, and, you know, it was brilliant. And that's what probably sealed it for me was Leeds at the time because I thought they were, they were going to go, keep you know, going higher and higher. Um, in terms of when I got down there, um, it sort of hits home a wee bit as maybe it relates to the previous question as to when you said, you know, when do you sort of know that you've made it? Um, and when you look at these guys, uh, the physicality, um, you know, the level that they're playing at, you sort of realise that you've got a lot of work to do to, to get where you want to be. Um, and I did find the physical the physical aspect that was a lot different. I think Scotland's got a lot of really talented players, but I think as you go down south, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of big, strong uh, athletes down there, and I, I definitely had to work on that side of my game. Scott McBride actually left a comment on our Facebook page to say we had to ask you about Leeds and if you played there, because apparently you never mention it. <laughs> they always mention it, but I never say. <laughs> no, I think because Leeds are doing well again, it seems to always come back up. Well, how did you end up at you? But at Leeds, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll say I was at Leeds, but I never played in the first team. <laughs> well, uh, we'll move you on from that because it's nice to see somebody else get in. Again, Michael, it seems to be a role reversal because it's normally me that's get left for the digs tonight, but get in there, son. Well done. <laughs> I'm just angry now because of the walls end thing. <laughs> no, I said, uh, it was better than me lying about it and just I could have went with the floor a wee bit <laughs> nah, that's, that's honestly made my day like, to be honest <laughs> you had six months at Elland Road before they let you go to Sunderland so it didn't seem like you really had much of a chance there so what happened? Um, 
it was 18 months. Uh, it wasn't six. I had, I had about 18 months there at, at Leeds. Um, <laughs> so, um, so what happened? Uh, I just I wasn't getting a chance really, to be honest. I wasn't really getting, um, you know, the club sort of went downhill. They got relegated to the Premier League at the time. Um, I never seen probably my career going as where I wanted. Uh, I was stuck in the reserves for a long period of time, not getting in the first team, which I found I found difficult. Um, and there was Mick McCarthy. Leeds uh, Sunderland was still in the Premiership at the time. Uh, Mick McCarthy obviously must have knew who I was, and he, he inquired about me and, and said that he, he sort of I think he seen where I'd sort of got stuck, um, and he thought I had a still had a good chance to make it and, and at a decent level. And he took my contract on. I think I still I was going to sign a four-year deal with Leeds. He took like the 18 months, uh, took me uh, sort of, well, back to a club in the Premiership at the time. And I, so that's how that came about. Um, I just threw my agent, really, and then sort of I ended up at uh, Sunderland. So officially two seasons with Sunderland, unless you want to tell me otherwise. No, it's... It's a wee bit better now. Um, and obviously after the first season, they were relegated. And then they won the championship the next, but you were loaned out to Wrexham and then Dundee. So was was the plan for you to go out and get some experience uh, playing sort of first team games with a view to going back and sort of pushing into the, the first team at Sunderland? Well, they probably told me that at the time. You know, it was ended up that Roy Keane came in um, and he got a lot of money to spend. You know, they, they, they got like Anthony Stokes in and like Lee Miller who had played with Man United. Uh, Dwight York, you know, players like that. And I probably, it was probably more that I seen that I was probably struggling again just to make that uh, make it that step at the level these guys have played at. Um, but the manager, obviously, Keen, Roy Keane did say at the time, you know, go out, get some games, and, and you're going to find it hard to play here and, and see how you get on, you know, go and score some goals and, and show me what you can do. Um, aye, so that was probably, you're right, that was probably the plan. So at what point then did you realise that it wasn't going to work out at Sunderland? Did Roy tell you himself or did you sort of come to that realisation on your own? No, I went, as I say, I went up to, to Dundee with Alex Ray. Um, again, probably never worked out like I'd hoped. Um, never hit the ground running. Um, Dundee always had a lot of expectations that he probably would get promoted at the time. I think they were in the championship. Um, then I came back. Uh, I obviously wasn't playing in the first team again. I just obviously went to see him and asked what, what was happening for next season with regards to my future. And he just obviously gave me the bad news that he wouldn't be, be renewing my contract. I mean, I, I, I read that you're a Man United fan as well. So, first of all, kudos on a, a good team choice. Um, <laughs> how hard is it, obviously, sitting across from somebody like Roy Keane, who's, I mean, as a Man United fan, like, one of my absolute heroes, I'm sure yours as well, and then him having to break that to you? It was, it was difficult, you know, it was, and especially when you're young, you take it a bit more personal, and I think, you, as you say, when you're 16, you sign for a big club, you think you're maybe going to make it that level, and you think it's just a natural progression, but everyone sees Roy Keane as ranting and raving, you know, and they see the clips, but he's not like that, you know, day to day, he's not like that, you know, at the touch and every two minutes, people just get sort of caught up in it, so, you know, he sat and he spoke to me for ages, and uh, explained that he'd had setbacks, things like that, and you've just got to keep working at your game, um, so, Although I was getting rejected, didn't really feel like that at the time because Sunderland's a big club and you know that you're going to have to still work hard to, to, to create a career for yourself. And he sort of sat down and explained that to me. Um, but you sort of know it yourself before you go and you know you've not been good enough to get in the first team. So you know what's coming. Um, it's just more you've got to, you've got to get a wee bit clarity on, on your future. And what was it like being around Roy Keane? Um, I mean, that must in itself 
must be something that you, you pinch yourself, especially as a Man United fan. Sometimes, well, you know, I've been around Roy Keane, Blake York, you know, to a lesser extent, but still, obviously, Liam Miller, obviously, if he was in and around the, the team at that point as well. I was brilliant, you know, it was brilliant because, as you say, I, I remember when the, when the manager first came in and we had like 11 v 11, and I think everyone thought Roy, you know, he was going to demand, 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 and scream and shout, and everyone started doing it in the first, first 11 v 11. And he had to stop it and say, listen, stop screaming and shouting and sort of trying to be aggressive, get on with the game and things like that. And had to calm it down. Um, and you do, you learn a lot through the way they conduct themselves. Um, obviously, I never seen him playing as much. He joined in uh, training, same as him, him and Dwight York now and again. And it is good. It's just the way more they conduct themselves. They, you know, they worry about themselves rather than, you know, try to con- control the whole sort of team. And, and you do pick up wee habits for them and you try and sort of lead by example like, like they do. Just a quick question again about about Roy Keane. Do you think that he's maybe a better coach than, than he actually gets credit for? Because, I mean, if you look at what he did with Ireland and then you look at what he did with Aston, he, he did with Aston Villa and stuff, I, I, I think that on the face of things, he does seem to be a bit, you know, his, his reputation probably precedes him more unfortunately than he actually maybe gets credit for in terms of his coaching ability. Definitely, definitely. You know, and I think he... His coaching ability is always really good. I never, as I say, I never actually played in the first team. It was part of his training sessions and things like that. And you can see he had a, a coach in with him and the ones that he would say, you know, you would listen to him because he had done it in the game. And I think when he's in the, maybe, I think when things maybe aren't going as well, I think he maybe, I'm not trying to give him advice or anything like that, but, you know, even just listening to interviews, you know, he kind of seemed to bite his tongue, you know, and, and just watch what he's saying. Um, and sometimes when, Sometimes when he's saying it, it probably hurts you a bit more than maybe other managers because of who he is and you want to do so well for them. So, I I think he, you know, he's been a manager, hasn't he? He's, he knows how hard that is, and he probably the standard that he had as a player, he maybe finds it hard as for them to live to that sort of standard that he that he has. So, um, but I never found that. I thought he was a really good coach, like you're saying. I thought he was a good man, management, good manager. He would speak to the boys. He never really thought he was better than anybody or anything like that. As I say, it was really good to, to, to work with him for a short period of time. When you're a young guy at a big team like Leeds or Sunderland, like we, we had a, we've had two coaches here in Vancouver over the last, since about 2013, we've only had two coaches. Now, one of them is a guy, Carol Robinson, who Welsh International played throughout the UK. He, his training sessions, although there was young guys, he didn't let them really play with the first team guys he had them training off on the side and then our new coach he integrated them right away what was it like I mean you mentioned you were part of the training sessions did you actually get to fully take part in training at Leeds and at Sunderland um, more so at Sunderland than at Leeds you know I was young I was really young at Leeds and um, I remember one session that particularly stands in, in my mind uh, more at Leeds was when um, I joined in the first I think it was Eddie Gray, you remember the old Leeds player, I think he got the manager's job for the way and took over the first team and Alan Smith and things like that were there. And I remember jumping for a header with, with Alan Smith and, and no reason, no realising how physical he was, you know, and just sort of bouncing off him. Um, but these, when you step up, I think, you know, your ability and your sharpness is always there. It's just mainly, well, I found that, especially I think being a striker, you've got big centre-halves coming through the back here and you haven't put your back to goal. Because um, that's what my game was about. It wasn't really nipping in behind, you know, and things like that. So I always felt the, the physicality and and um, that side it was was a big jump. So like after Sunderland, and again, Wary asking you this because I've taken this from your Wikipedia page. But 
It says you found yourself without a club for about 10 or 11 months before you went to train with Dundee United. Is that the case? Yeah, what happened was when I actually went alone, I know a lot of people know this, but at the time uh, I was that desperate to do well and try and, try and impress uh, Sunderland and, and Roy Keane at the time that I was carrying a knee injury. And uh, I played for six months um, with cartilage in my knee. Um, so I, I was that desperate to try and get through it to win a new contract to stay at the level I did, which, that, which never resulted in me doing well at Dundee because I was actually injured at the time. Most of the time I was there. Um, so when, I, when that season came to an end, uh, it was a stupid thing to do because I, I never done well enough to get a new contract at Sunderland and I, needed, I ended up having to get two operations on my knee at the end of that season. So I was basically playing through the pain for a, lot, for the, for a period of time. Um, but then Craig Levine uh, said I could get the operation, obviously. I got the operation, I went in and did my rehab with Dundee United. I could get my fitness back there and then sort of have a trial and see where we going. Right, I wondered, because there was someone else we had on a few shows back, I can't remember who it was now, and they had a big break as well in their, their stats, and it turned out it was an injury as well that's not really noted anywhere, and I wondered if that was maybe the, the same case with yourself. So, I mean, when you're going through that, and you're without a club, and you know there's a trial maybe at the end of it, but what was going through your mind at that point? Did you worry that that might be your career kind of over before it even began, or did that not even cross your mind? At that time, it, it did because it was my first, it was first surgery I'd had, you know, um, and I remember uh, having to sit down with my dad and because you, when you've never had an operation, you just you know I was just having knocks and maybe a wee pull or something like that. But when you actually need surgery and you you don't, well, I didn't realise at the time, you know, I, I do. You're used to playing with a bit of pain, and most people will tell you that. So, ah, yeah, it's quite worrying. Um, even though probably cartilage is a relative relatively straightforward operation. Uh, once I even had that done, my knee blew up again and I had to go in and get something done with my kneecap as well. So uh, it, was a, it was a one in time, especially especially when you've not got a club, you know, and you're ending up back at your mum and dad's living because you've came back from down south. Um, you're used to your, your sort of own freedom. Um, uh, so it's, it's not, it's not uh, nice, to be honest with you. Well, you signed for United and when you first signed, you had a couple of unused subs you were on the bench at that first season. But then... We've got to get to the elephant of the room now, um, and it's not Lee. But... <laughs> <laughs> I was no saying you had a big trunk. Ah, uh, cheers, Mike. <laughs> right here, here, here's the sad bit we have to talk about. You had three fucking spells with Wraith Rovers. <laughs> Come on, and you helped them in a championship, and you scored tons of goals for them. So, <laughs> well, let's let's address that first of all. Were you happy at your time at Starks Park? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had uh, we had a good a good team, obviously at Ray Flovers and and John McGlynn who's there just now. Um, we, you know, I I'd obviously enjoyed it because we had done well at the time and we managed to win the league. Um, so no, I did. I was coming back for injury, as I yeah. say. Um, that knee and, and at the time Dundee United had a really good team I think Swanee was obviously at the time you had like say, David Goodwillie uh, John Daly you know so I found again I just found it difficult to, to get into the team at that level um, seemed to be the story of my career so far so I ended up back out on loan um, at, at Rafe Rovers It's funny you said that because when I was putting these together I was like wow you've, you had a lot of loan things in your early days before you actually obviously found your game and then kind of stuck Something I've always wondered with loan players. So you're signed by United, but you, you've got three spells, as it turns out, with Wraith. You're doing well. You're scoring there. You're playing there. You're winning championships there. 
did you consider yourself a United player or a Rovers player, or did you think yourself as both, like having two girlfriends? <laughs> two girlfriends would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I can, I can still say you consider yourself. I think the second period, I went to Rafe Rovers, we won the league, and um, I was supposed to obviously Craig Levine was like, just you, you've, you've went there now, go and have a good season. You've not played a lot of football, get a lot of first team experience. And just as we won the league, I think it was about four games to go, I managed to obviously dislocate my ankle and break my leg. Mm. Um, so that was the, probably the biggest turning point, I would say, in my career. Because after that Ray Flowers season, you know, I was up for League Two, and also League One Player of the Year as well. I think I just missed out to Brian Prunty. Um, so that was, a good, that was a good season for me. But obviously, um, it was just a story of my career so far. I just ended up having an injury again. Yeah, when I looked at your stats uh, at the Rovers, I was like, holy shit, you were fairly banging the, the goals in there as well. And it's like, it's surprising in a way that you then went kind of grabbed up by Dundee United. But we'll come to that in a sec, because Dundee United, obviously Danny Swanson, we had on the show last week, and you shared a, a story about <laughs> uh, travelling on the motorway and seeing Craig Levine. <laughs> now... Obviously, once you start telling stories about people, then we get some stories back. Oh, is that so, your, your angle, is that? Um, here's one. And Danny said, you might not want to talk too much about this, but can you tell us about the time that you were locked out of your digs and stuck in the car together? Locked out of digs and stuck in the car? Um can't even remember that one, I don't think. What was that? I don't know, he didn't explain. He said it's not up to him to tell it, and we're like, damn. <laughs> I genuinely actually can't remember that one. What was the next one he was saying? Well, he also wanted to know why you were such a moan and a pain in the ass back in the United <laughs> days, and why one day did you throw his hat out of the car window for no reason? <laughs> Obviously holding yeah. a long-time grudge. I'll give you some stories about Danny. We, we were coming back for training one day and Danny's constant. Danny doesn't shut up for two minutes. So we're coming back on the motor. We were heading back to, uh, back to Edinburgh and he just wouldn't shut up. And he used to always wear this daft woolly hat. And he was just annoying me, annoying me, annoying me. And I just, I put the window down and he didn't know what I was doing on the motor. I just grabbed his hat and I just threw it out the window. And he just sort of looked at me like, and he didn't know what to do. I think I'm a bit of a hat on at the time. He just grabbed mine and threw it up. Oh, he missed that bit out of the story. Uh, it was something, I don't know if it was my hat or my jacket, and he threw it out, and we never spoke about the rest of the way home, but <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but Danny, Danny can be hard work. <laughs> <laughs> he was good with us. Um, uh, another story we were told, we won't say who told us this, let's just say it was somebody, we'll give him the nickname Cobb. It's a little subtle one for some people there. Um, but he wanted to to ask you about a time at United training when Lee Wilkie got sent home for trying to break your legs and you were acting like a scared little puppy. <laughs> that story I remember. We um, we had a training. That was Danny as well. I told you that was it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, Lee Wilkie always had the size. I'm a big guy. And um, we, we used to always play these little games and, and Lee Wilkie, although he was a half, he had loads of ability. And one day, it was just annoying me that nobody would try and tackle him. So the next thing, two of us are running side by side and we went shoulder to shoulder. And at the time, I was actually a little bit bigger. I'd been, Danny will tell you, I'd been injured after my leg break and I had sort of bulked up a wee bit. And me and Lee, I went for the, like, a shoulder worm and we both hit shoulders. And I never won, just nobody won, but I managed to get the ball. He never knocked me down, but he got the huff. 
So I've sort of got away with the ball, and the next thing, he's just absolutely came at the back of me and smashed me. And this is just after I've had a broken leg. You've got to remember the size of Lee Wilkie compared to me. So he's put me right up in there. Um, Craig Levine, to his credit, and uh, you know, I give him a lot of respect for the type of man he is for being able to do this. He went up to Lee Wilkie, started calling him F and this, F and that. That's a disgrace. And, and he sent him in to train him. And uh, all I could think about was, you know, obviously Craig done that, but I'm thinking, when I get in this changing room, you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be World War Three in there. So I hung about as long as possible to try not to go back into the changing room. And I got in there and I just said, I just, obviously that wasn't my fault. It was just a 50-50 ball. And, and he said, sorry. And it, to be honest, he was a gentleman about it. But um, I didn't fancy my chances if I, if I had kept me a fight for that. <laughs> By the way, I see Lee Wilkie kicking about Dundee and he is like a fridge freezer on top of a fridge freezer. He would absolutely smash you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can imagine how delighted I was when I managed to hold my own. I don't know if he maybe never went full tilt, but I did and I managed to stay on my feet and nick the ball. And it was a terrible tackle, actually. You know, At the time, you know, I probably could have been hurt. Um, but you know what, Craig Levine's a big guy as well, you know, and when Craig spoke, everybody listened and, and to, you know, even to, to Lee's credit, you know, as soon as so Craig said that, he, he, uh, I just walked in and I was, I was nervous the rest of that training session, that's for sure. What we'll do, we'll edit your Wikipedia, right, and we'll just say, claim to fame, knock Lee Wilkie off the ball <laughs> and we'll remove the walls in. Right? I'm happy with that, good man. <laughs> so you were on the move again at the end of that and then you went back down to England to, to Notts County um, in League 2 so I mean I, you'd hit 22 goals in 39 games were eighth. so what, at what point then again Dundee United was it just you know you were told that you weren't required there and then you decided to get onto your agent to get your move elsewhere or was it I sort of got not I, I, no Peter Houston you know we started pre-season and uh and I think it was Tommy Johnson at the time, you know, played with Celtic. He went in as Craig Short's assistant um, in Notts County. Um, obviously, in, in the League One at the time, they were a good club, but it was back down south. Um, and they wanted to take me in in, in pre-season. And Peter Houston just said, listen, Notts County's been in touch. It's completely up to you what you want to do. Um, and at the time, Dundee United were going to Austria for a pre-season. And uh, it turns out that Notts County were actually going as well. So I just said, listen, you were going to be over there very similar times anyway. I says to, I says to, to Peter Houston, do you mind if I just go with, with them and then see how I got on? Um, and I went to Austria with them. I came back to England, went down south, played a couple of games. Um, I think they sort of knew what, what I could do sort of anyway if it sounded, sounded arrogant again. Um, but obviously I hadn't, I hadn't been as fit with due to the injury. Um, so I so they, they just wanted to make sure that everything was fine and I went down and I really enjoyed it, got on well. So... So I ended up signing there. And as you said, it was probably going to be difficult. United had a really good really good side at the time. Um, but I think the, the main thing was, you know, getting back down south and, and what it played in there. You must have had lots of offers on the table with the record that you had at Wraith. Was it more of a, a hankering to go down south again because you had sort of unfinished business down there? Or was it that you didn't really see yourself playing in, in, in the Premier League in Scotland and, and maybe didn't? And let's be honest, you probably got better money at, at Notts County than you would at Ray Rovers. I, I, not exactly that. It was a combination of things, you know. I think, 
think you know when you get the option to go to, to League One, the Championship, you know uh, the Premiership clubs like that, um, you don't you don't really tend to knock them back, do you? And it was just when you know sometimes you go a place on trial or you go there, and you, you get a feel for it. It was sort of similar to you know to to, to when I played for East Fife and and even to the Rovers, unfortunately, to, to these Fife fans for a certain extent when I enjoyed my period there. Um, you know, you, and it was good. It was a good set of lads. It was a good manager. Um, and when when I went away with them, you know, I sort of enjoyed it. Um, and I so it just also sort of fit in at the time. You got that chance to obviously showcase yourself in, in England again. And look, we're going to bring up another Lee here, and the second best one that will be mentioned in this podcast. <laughs> Lee um, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories about Lee Hughes being a complete rocket. But when I was reading another interview, you'd said pretty much exactly that yourself. So, any examples of what he was like to to play with? Lee was brilliant, you know, obviously he had his troubles when he was younger and things like that, but he was a great player. Um, he was a bit, he was mad off the pitch, you know, but on the pitch, you know, he was a lot better player than I thought he was when I was joining the club. He was on big money at the time, he scored a lot of goals, but he's another one. I'll give you a story about him, we were on the, on the team bus, I was telling the boys this other day. And Craig Short, always a big centre-half for Blackburn, he's a huge guy. Lee's actually a big guy as well. He's a lot bigger than he comes across on the telly. And he, he's, he was really muscly at the time. And uh, there was this hot sauce. Um, we all got after we had our away game, we were getting the coach back. Uh, and he had this hot sauce that you put in your mouth, you've basically got tears coming down your face. And we had, this is how stupid it is, we had a good one. And everyone got their, their fish shop or whatever they ordered from, from the chip shop. And he went down to Craig Short's and he put loads of this hot sauce in, in his dinner. So Craig, so Craig Shorts took it, ate it, and he's came up the back of the bus. And I'm no joking when I say he looked ill. His face is bright red. He's got tears coming down his face. Him and his staff are effing and swearing. This is a disgrace, blah, blah, blah. It got back that it was obviously Lee Hughes that had done it. Um, so the next day in training, uh, he brought, you know, one of the rowing machines. Yeah. He says to, to Lee Hughes, and these are two guys are about six foot plus. He said, get on the rower if you don't do so many miles in such a, a period of time. Um, obviously you'll be fined by the club two weeks wages this and that whatever it was and Lee wouldn't get on the would they get on the uh, roar so the two of them came head to head I'm, I was always in quite early uh, when I was in full time so I was there and, and Lee was in early that day as well and the manager was standing waiting on him so there's me and a couple other boys in the change room and they used to <laughs> screaming at each other and I was like oh my god I actually ended up getting split up with a couple of the, the coaching staff at the time and Oh, it was, it was awful. It was funny as well, but looking back, it was a bit uncomfortable being in the change because the two of them were massive and I'm obviously not as big as them. Do you know what I mean? So so that shows how, how mad he is as a, as a guy. If, if you're a betting man, who are you, who are you putting your money on? Uh, probably Shorty, big Craig Shorty. He was, he was a big guy. He was a big man. He was more a gentleman though, whereas Lee was just mad. Um, but again, it shows big, you know, big characters and um, I would never dream of obviously doing that to, to, to a manager but it shows you what extent that, that Lee was at you know it, it, it was absolutely bonkers I saw Lee Hughes play I was down at a Wimbledon game and I can't remember if it was Notts County or Port Vale that he was playing with at the time and the abuse that he got from the Wimbledon fans for like oh you're a murderer and constant every time he was at that end and he just took it and it's like there was no reaction, and I was like amazed because it was non-stop and it was really vitriolic. And when you when you think of like a guy and if he's a hothead to be getting that from the fans and not react, that's kind of amazing. 
I, he must have built up, you know, before it sort of got too personal and, and mm. the story ins and outs of what happened, you know, I, I sort of got quite close to him because the tours were living away from home. We used to go for food after training and, and things like that. And yeah, it does, you know, it takes a mental strength to be able to, you know, even obviously what he'd done um, and being able to get through it and carry on with your life, obviously. Um, I know obviously for their side of the family, from what happened, it would have been nice for them either. Um, but, you know, Lee's got to live with it, what he's done. Um, he's got to take that abuse that you're talking about. He gets that abuse sometimes when he walks down the street. Um, and, you know, it probably does affect him mentally as well, you know. And, and uh, I, you know, sort of fair play with him for, for getting on with it and not forgetting, but trying to live, live with sort of what he had done. It's something we've talked about on the show before. It's like you don't, like when you're a fan in the stands or on the terracing, you don't fully think what your actions are and you're shouting at players and you don't know what it's doing to their mental health or, or whatever. And I mean, if you had any bad experiences with that, anything that's been shouted at you that's really stuck in your head and you've kind of mulled it over for a while? No, nothing that's stuck in my head, you know. There's, there's, but I've had players that I've had, you know, and I've probably had the same abuse, but some people can, can struggle off a wee bit easier than others, you know. Mm. Some people take it home with them and, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, fans, you know, they, they pay their money and they can come into the stadium, but I don't know what it is that, that that switch that makes them think they can speak to people like that just because of that yeah. football match or a tennis match or golf, whatever it is, you know, and they, they maybe have a wee drink before they come in or whatever, but um, they would never speak to somebody like that in their workplace or, or walking down the street or in the shops, anything like that. So uh, I don't know. And I think you're spot on. It does affect some players, uh, definitely, especially when, they come out of the stadium and they're still maybe getting at a higher level, you know, whether they're you know, playing for Man United or Man City, you know, they're, they're living in a constant bubble, aren't they, due to the fact that they, they probably get a lot, of, a lot of abuse away from football. So you had your, your season at Notts County and then you came back up to Scotland and, and played for Queen of the South, then Dumbarton before coming to the Fife, which is what we really want to talk about. So how did the move to, to East Fife come about and did you speak to your dad first about what sort of club East Fife were? Aye, uh, you know, definitely, I was at, uh, as I say, I was at Dumbarton at the time, it came about Christmas, um, Dumbarton was, was quite far away from home, uh, training twice a week, coming to get through there, so when, when Gary uh, was on the phone, uh, I definitely spoke to my dad, he he always said that, that East Fife was a good family club, you know, and even was when he was there, he said I should definitely, he said it was a no-brainer, you know, you should go go East Fife, I know they were struggling at uh, League One at the time at the bottom and Dumbarton in the Championship, but um it was just I'd heard loads of good times, you know. Um, we Liam Buchanan was at us at the time. Um, you know, the club was sponsored by Under Armour. You know, we're getting all the free stuff. We just weave things like that for the part-time club, which, which is quite big. Gary was talking about the training facilities. Uh, Gary's quite an, you know, an infectious character as well. So when you speak to him, you know, he's quite convincing. Um, so no, it, it obviously um, it appealed to me. So I, I don't know if you listened to Gary's episode. I know you've listened to a few of them. But he says that you were the best signing that he made for East Fife. <laughs> um, I told him he was wrong, but, you know, he was quite <laughs> um, And he says that you still go for a beer from time to time. With him. What was it like being around somebody with, with, with his sort of experience? And, I mean, we've said it before. I mean, our interview with Gary was, was definitely one of my favourite ones. And, and, like you say, he's quite an infectious character and you can really listen to him talk for ages. So what was your relationship like with Gary? And is it still as good as it was? I definitely, you know, Gary was the one that's the same at the club, made me club captain. Um, and obviously, it was nice words that he said to you about me as well. You know, we, we, we had a good relationship. Um, he had a good relationship with all the players. You know, he, 
he always made made it fun. He, he was a likable guy. It's the same sort of thing with Roy Keane to a lesser extent and what he's done his career. You know, he's got all the 50, I think he's got 50 odd caps for Scotland. He's only just missed out on his 50 caps. Yeah. He's played at a high level. You you watched him growing up. You, you had a respect for him straight away. Um, you know, he's a, he's a bright young manager. He, I'm sure he's going to get back into football soon and do well. So, no, Gary's a nice guy. He had Dougie Anderson in him as well. Uh, Dougie was good. Um, he signed good players. Um, I think the club had just been taken over by sort of the other board and things like that as well after sort of Lee Murray left. So, everything, everything was going in the right direction. Um, so, it was brilliant. I enjoyed working under, under their, their sort of management. And, and then Gary was always good to me, and as he was to, to everyone else as well. You know, we've talked about some, some of the managers you've played under, you know, Roy Keane, Mick McCarthy, Gary Naismith and Dan Young, Craig Levine. Who do you think's been best for your career and who do you think's been the best in general? You know, they're tough questions, you know. Um, ah, we're not here to get easy ones. <laughs> um, you know, I always say that the, the best for me is, pro, you know, I know you're asking for managers, but, you know, my dad's always been the one that's probably always given me the best advice, you know, because he's always been the one that's wanted you to do well. Um, he's not wanted to move you on clubs. He's always been there and give you free advice. Gary is, is a really good manager. Uh, Darren's a really good manager, you know, and they're, they're both ones that I look to just now because of where they're in their career and, and probably where I want to go, you know, after, the, after they're finished playing. Um, I look at the two of them, the careers I've had, the, you know, even the way they conduct themselves about the club. Um probably what draws the chairman, you know, that type of manager as well. Even when Barry was a, you know, young manager, and I know he'd been about a bit more, but, um, you know, they're quite, you know, with it being confident, you know, they're quite humble as well and, and, and the, the way they, they go about their business. Um, their training sessions are good. Um, it's, you know, the modern, modern way of playing football, playing it for the back, things like that. So, you know, I look at them, um, probably, you know, the, the ones that East Fife have been really good. Um, Aye, so it's a hard question, but you know, probably a wee bit, a wee bit of all of them. Um, sort of more, more so than any. Firmly sitting on the fence, then. Definitely, I'm not answering that. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, though. You know, they've all they've all got good qualities and they've all got different qualities. Yeah. It's um, when you're growing up, you know, I had the youth team managers that probably stand out. Um, you know, more when when you go in full time and and things like that. But just you know, more recently, he's five. You know. The, and even even Barry was brilliant as well, you know, when he came in for the short period before going to Rovers. Um, and you don't really need me to tell you that anyway. You can see what they've done in their careers and what they've done in management, that they're obviously going to be good managers. Um, and they've, they've all got the slightly different qualities. Talking of your dad then, my memories of your dad, apart from being a good goal scorer, is he did have quite an aggressive streak and got a few red cards over his career. <laughs> so how did you not inherit that aspect of it? <laughs> um... Probably because he, I, I did have a wee bit, you know, I think I've had a few red cards, but not no as many as him, that's for sure. Um, I think probably because he, he wanted me to learn from his mistakes and he probably cut it out a bit more. Um, but I, I think I had it when I, I remember it when I was younger, I used to get sent off quite a bit. And, uh, you know, as you, as you get older, you, you sort of realise that it's not worth it. But everyone says that my dad, my dad is. Is a bit aggressive when he played. I'm pretty sure, like, this is testing my memory, but I'm pretty sure him and Willie Brown were at the club at the same time. And we had a lot of suspensions that season. Oh, a red card after red card. Liam Anderson was saying the other day, I was at the club, and Liam said, what was it he was saying? He said, I remember a game your dad played in it. I think it was one each 
uh, we got beat 2-1 or something. Uh, no, it was one each. We went to penalties and your dad missed the penalty to send us out the cup or something like that. So I told my dad and he said, that, that's true, I did. But did he say it was also me that scored the goal that made it one each to get us in the penalties? So, oh, that <laughs> would have been... We had a spell... I, can't remember, I wrote an article for when Saturday comes about this. We had a spell, I think, of six seasons on the trot where our first League Cup game went to penalties and we lost every single shootout. So we went out on penalties for six straight seasons in the first round. It was memory, it's impressive for, for all the years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm just getting all this recorded before it goes in years to come and I can't remember any of this. You can play it I was back going to me. You must have these stats written somewhere, surely. That's not coming off the top of his head, is it? No, actually, I don't. I just I remember I wrote that article. It was one of the first articles I wrote for a proper magazine that wasn't like my own fanzine. So I just remember writing that it was in a book that they had. So, um, uh, Unfortunately, we don't have Stephen Mill on this episode. Normally, uh, he's our resident stat <laughs> so you, you won a league title under Gary uh, at East Fife. So you've already earned your, your place in in Bayview folklore with that, because it's only the third championship we've won in our, in our whole history. What do you think it was about that squad that that made it so special, especially in the running, where you just flicked that switch and just got it all done? Well, first of all, obviously, Gaz has to get a lot of credit because the players that he managed to attract to the club at the time, you know, um, were, were really good. Um, so, you know, he brought good players in. We, we had, as I say, good training facilities. The training was good, things like that. He made us believe that, you know, we, we had a chance of winning it. Um, and as you saw, I think there was, there was definitely games. The one that sticks in my mind was, it, I think it was Elgin away when I think they were fine at the top at one point. I think we managed to beat them like 2-0, maybe 2-1, something like that. And that was the time that I started believing you know, we were going to do it. Um, but when I looked in the change room, obviously I've, I've been about a bit, and when I looked, I thought there's, you know, there's a few players that can probably play at a higher level. And when you start looking around your squad and, and you've got a good team spirit as well, and guys, again, him and Dougie were big on you know, making it a family club, having days that the, uh, where the chairman would come out and go to social clubs and that team bonding. And it's easy saying that now, you know, once the league's won, but all these small, small things, you know, they add up to, to, to one big thing. And, and as you say, I'm a, a club is five size anyway, shouldn't really be in League Two, you know, it should be in League One minimum. So we always had that stat. I said we were probably one of the biggest clubs in the league, but you still got to go and do it. Um, and we just managed on that. And the gather worked really hard. We had, uh, as I say, a good changing room. Uh, the chairman was starting to put his ideas into the club you could see it was going in the right direction then the board um, so everyone was just sort of pulling towards you know getting promoted and, and we managed to all stick together the supporters as well got right behind us didn't they um, it was good it was, a, it was one of the it's probably one of the most enjoyable obviously seasons in my career especially being captain at the time it's definitely one of the proudest uh, proudest seasons in my career Now I want you to be honest with this so no fence sitting and you might know what's coming but You've won three championships in your career and there's not a lot of players even win one championship. So you won with Wraith, you won with Queen of the South, you won with East Fife. How do you rank those in terms of what they actually meant to you? I won't hold it against you, like you can be totally honest. No, no, it is. Um, I always say East Fife, you know, be, be, just because I was captain at the time, you know, mm. and, and um, it, I think you've got to sort of lead by example a, a wee bit more when you're captain. Um, especially when you know we had a lot of young players and 
and, and guys would always pull me to the side and you know say, listen, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, and you know, and, and pass on that information. So that's when I probably started to grow up a wee bit and and start think, no, just no, maybe not grow up, now, but when you're a football player, quite um, concentrating on yourself. And as you get older, you've got to maybe say, you know, start looking at other players and, and keep their confidence up or tell them they're a good players. Basically, start taking a bit more responsibility. And I think I started enjoying that that season. Um, and as you say, when you're captain and and you win a league, or you win any trophy, it's really special. But just being captain, it's definitely stood out as, as, as probably the best one uh, that, that I enjoyed. Uh, we'll talk about like memorabilia a little bit at the, the end of this, but... Where do you keep your your three medals? Do they have like pride a place in your house, or you're not really sentimental that way? I'm not really sentimental that way, to be honest. My mum, uh, my mum, my dad have got like a scrapbook um, for when I started kicking the ball, or when I started going full time about four, uh, sorry, about fifteen, sixteen onwards. Uh, they keep it, so they keep all that up at their house. Um, I so I'll probably, as I say, I don't really sit and and, and look at it too much. Um, I'll probably more when you finish playing and. Um, even you know you play at the level that I've played it, or whether you play you know whether it's you know junior or whether you play in the Premiership, you know you, you've you've everyone's proud of their own sort of wee, wee career, the fud. So I'll, I'll I'll definitely have a few wee cutouts that I'll, I'll look back on and probably enjoy. This is usually the part where Lee chips in and asks if he can get your medal. I'm, su- <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't yet. <laughs> Nathan, uh, Nathan Austin yeah. promised his brothers and he's, he's gaslighted me since so look Kev you know, if, you, if, if you didn't have anywhere to store it I would happily look after it <laughs> I'm not sure I trust you to, to look after that I'll keep, you can get Nathan's fashion gear his <laughs> uh, that's I'll, I'll keep it over here it'll be uh, safe over here no one will know what it is so. <laughs> so you've had a long career and you've stayed at East Fife for longer than you, you stayed at, at any other club you, you've got the captaincy here what do you think it is about the club and I know you've talked about the family atmosphere I mean is it just that what, what's made you stay at Bayview for as, as long as you have um, it's just a, you know I've just enjoyed it you know since since I've always been here you know I've, I've always sort of had a smile on my face and um, you know, I, I like coming into the into the stadium. I, I've always liked the squads that we've had. Um, as you say, you know, the managers, the the, the chairman's made a difference. You know, just just because it is, you know, it sounds cheesy, but it's a family club. You know, they they talk to you. There's no really a, there's like a filter all the way down. Everyone gets on with each other, and there's a good communication. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's one of the the biggest part time clubs in the country. Um, it's got a lot of history to it. So I've just loved it, to be honest. I've just I've just really enjoyed my time here, um, and it's just really simple as that. And um, you know, I'll, I'll keep playing so as long as I can. Like Danny last week said, he'd be happy if this was a, his last move, and he hung his boots up as an East Fife player. Do, do you see yourself retiring at least from the senior game? Because obviously juniors and stuff's a possibility. But do you see yourself retiring as an East Fife player? Yeah, I'd probably like to, whether whether it works out like that and, and, and Dan and Vince me before then, you know, it could be a <laughs> bit different. But uh, no, I would, I would obviously like to. I've, I've loved it here and, and long may that continue. And I, I don't think I've ever tried to hide that fact. You know, you can see that the amount of time that I've been here and and um, I've, I've just sort of enjoyed my time. There's, there's no really anything specific um, as long as you're enjoying your football. And the mm. club plays, you know, we've always played the right way. I think the club conducts itself in the right way. Um, so I think uh, you know the club definitely deserves a lot of credit for for the way that we go about our business. I mean, I've I've pegged you as a future East Five manager, but we'll, we'll come to that in a, in a bit. But 
so goals-wise, you've scored a lot of goals in your career. You've scored a lot for, for East Fife. I think a lot of Fife fans, and this was a comment that was left on our Facebook page, that in particular, they remember a goal you got against Clyde in the playoffs that kept us in the in the playoffs. What's your favourite East Fife goal? Um, the one probably comes, I think it was Liam Anderson asked me this not long ago, and it was probably the one when uh, Darren was the manager at uh, Albion Rovers. And I managed to dribble it from my own half, go by a couple of boys, um, and I think I hit it in the faraway corner. Ross Dunlop was playing that game as well, that's currently at us. So he got managed to get a bit stick because he was, I think it was him and his brother that were centre half. Um, I've had a, I've, there's a few that stand out. That one that Clyde, you're talking about, was an important goal. Um, one up in Elgin, I think I scored that day when we were going for the league. Mm. So maybe it wasn't the best quality, but they, they stand out. I scored a couple of free kicks as well. I think one, there was one at Bayview who was, was it? Dundee maybe or um, can't remember exactly but no there's a few um, I've maybe not got as as many as some I think Big Fast rattled a few when he was at us didn't he I an out striker but um, I, I try my best to chip in with as many as possible So let's look at your career as a whole then if you had to pick one goal as your favourite what's your favourite goal? Oh my god you could have asked, emailed me these questions before I came. I gave you the important ones and I hope you <laughs> Yeah, we, we had a bit of additions open. I woke up this morning, so sorry about that. <laughs> um, when Well, this was actually before I went full-time, but when I was playing with Scotland schoolboys at, at Tynecastle, we played Wales. And always, for, for some reason, again, always sticks in my way. I was only 15 at the time, but uh, we played Wales live on telly and I managed to score one to about 25 yards and we were right in the top bin. So, um, hi, probably that. And it probably just set in stone my, my move down south as well, so. That's probably the best and probably the most important one, to be honest. Do you have footage of it, though? I've been trying. No, I don't. I think my mum and dad maybe do, because as I say, it was live on Sky, Sky at the yeah. time, so it'll be somewhere. Um, and I'd we'll find that. Like I'd like to see that. Um, there's a lot of people playing, you know, like, say, Ryan Shawcross that plays with Stoke. He was playing for, I'm sure, Wales at the time, and we had, like, say, Stephen Fletcher playing with us, you know, um, we had, like, Callum Elliott. Um, with a few boys that went I think Aggie might have been playing as well as at the minute I'm sure he was involved in that game as well um, so we had a real, Robert Snodgrass Graham Dones they were sort of all involved so we had, we had a really good squad well that Mike, Mike's pretty good at his investigation skills so I'll see yeah, if you can I'll see what it. I can do ah, that'd be brilliant that'd be good to see it so let's let's talk about your time at East Fife then obviously you've had some pretty rowdy characters in the, in the dressing room at your time there you know Paul McManus is one that I'll always bring up as being <laughs> in, in that category as a bit of a looney tune. Um, but anybody, any, any stories of your time at East Fife that could maybe give our listeners a laugh? Um, just, just trying to think what you can say, can't you? Um, oh, you can say anything on this anything. show. <laughs> I don't know if, if you've listened to some of the other ones with Paul McManus, for example, talking about boys sticking fingers up other boys' asses and... <laughs> There's, there's definitely there's nothing that's off limits in this podcast it's marked as explicit for a reason yeah that was um, a fun interview it all went downhill after that really it's <laughs> the one that the one of the ones that probably stand out to me is just probably you know, uh, Kyle Walker that was here um, he would always seem to get drunk and um, either pull his bits out his, in, in public and things like that on Christmas night so, or him and remember Mark Mark Lamont that was here as well Aye, aye. They two, they two used to like uh, a wee kiss and a cuddle when they when they were a bit drunk. So uh, probably, probably that's about as as much as I'm gaining, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, 
I would have put more money on Mark Lamont kissing the mirror because he looked like one of the vainest players I've ever, <laughs> ever What a player, by the way. An absolutely tremendous player. I mean, turning a sixpence, 100%. But yeah, definitely Kyle Wilkie and uh, Mark Lamont. I could imagine them, Mark if it Lamont. wasn't trying to kiss the mirror, but kiss each other. Yeah, kiss totally each other, yeah. aye, definitely. Aye. <laughs> definitely. There you go. A revelation. We could have our first East Fife player marriage down the line guys who knows yeah, I've got to be care- careful what I say because then um, people are going to come back on the show and I might start saying stories about me so I'll <laughs> tell you what when I, I'll be honest with you I messaged Fash yesterday and I was yeah. like Kevin Smith on what can you tell me and I'll tell you word for word what he said <laughs> just so you could uh... I don't know this yet either so this will be good <laughs> he said I've got a few but none are PG so can't say but just talk to him about his dress sense because it's shocking. <laughs> I get told I dress like an old man, but I think this T-shirt's all right, grey and nice and tight. It's all right, yeah, it's not too bad. I'd wear that. Yeah. Hey, did you want You're an Page? old man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Page's gear. Remember Big Page's centre and a half? His gear was horrendous. He used to say that his missus would just go to the shops and pick his clothes. He didn't even go to the shop. Whatever she brought back, she would get his sizes and he would just wear it. His jacket would be like too big for him, hanging, hanging over his sleeves. And, oh, dear. Typical he was a great player, though. He was a good player. Aye, he, was, he was really good for us, wasn't he? For a good few seasons. He was good. Yeah, I, I was really sad when he left, actually. Where's he now? Is he still at Brecon? I'm not so good for it. I think that's the last I heard he was at Brecon Eye. Yeah. yeah, he was there. So, um, aye, uh, he, he was really good for us. I think a lot of people at the time were, were wanting him to stay, weren't they? But, um, aye, he wanted to leave. So, that's his, sort of his decision, wasn't it? Yeah, so there you go. But we're going to talk about some more of the stories that we've managed to, to dig up on you, Kev. So, this one's one that you <laughs> spoke about publicly. But... In fact, no, let's go, let's go for the worst one first, actually. Can you, can you tell us about maybe a cheeky petrol station with Danny Swanson? Oh, Dan, I'll kill him for that, honestly. That's one of the most embarrassing moments in my life. This is what I say how annoying a guy he is. We're standing, right, in the middle of the petrol station. So, him and remember David Goodwillie, uh, they yeah. were, so I was in digs with A2 and the two of them were absolutely crazy. And you know what it's like? You end up with them, you end up just participating. But this night, I was just standing, I think it was late at night, we're in a petrol station, we got fuel, and we walked in, and I'm standing in the queue, and he's just came right up behind me. I think there was two girls in the queue, and they were all giggling and getting all excited, and he just pulled my trousers down, right in the middle of the queue. And I was just, I had stuff in my hands, so I couldn't lift them. I had to drop the stuff, pull my trousers up. Oh, my face was absolutely bright red, honestly. Did the girls oh. yell out, good Willie? <laughs> <laughs> No, if you had seen oh, the sights, no. <laughs> 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 but he just but thinks of stupid things like that to do. Do you know what I mean, Danny? He's just he's just busy, like he's just constant. When the gaffer says to me, "Oh, Jinka, should sign Danny," I should have actually said, "No, just leave." Danny. <laughs> <laughs> well, Danny was saying that you were on the phone pestering him all the time. Do you want to come back? that's true, actually. So. Let's talk about another embarrassing incident for you then. So we're going to look at Ben Davis and the, the Notts County story. So apparently you shouldn't leave your phone around Ben Davis. You want to tell that story? Oh, but they, um, <laughs> I was in the change room at the time and um, there, was, there was a receptionist and obviously she was a female 
So we went out to train and the boys that were injured um, got my phone. And for some reason, I had a password on it. I don't know how they managed to get into it. They managed to grab my phone and text one of the girls in the office who used to sort all the tickets to, um, to say, oh, do you want to go on a date or whatever like that? And I never obviously knew anything about it. So I've came back in and they're all giggling. I've went to my phone as you do the old phones and you go into your messages and I've seen it. And I always had to go through to this girl and explain that I had a girlfriend or my, my, now my wife at the time. So that was absolutely mortifying. And I think she had actually, she had, I can't remember, but I think she replied something at the time, oh, that would be lovely or something. Do you know what I mean? And I've had to go through and explain that, oh, is Danny telling you that? Or who was telling you that one? No, you, <laughs> you told that story in an interview in The Sun. Oh, was it? Uh, I think I'd done that one before that. So that was, it was more, it was more embarrassing than anything. I want to go through and explain to her. But, um, she died you though. My wife's sitting through there, so I'm Honestly, you're going to get splinters in your no backside. You just sat on the fence tonight, Kevin. Honestly. Someone chucked at me there. Your body language gave me the answer that we need. For those of you that didn't see, obviously, with this being a, a voice podcast rather than a video one, Kevin nodded profusely with thumbs up. <laughs> it definitely was a 10 out of 10 so we could take that and, and, uh, what we've learned on this show though <laughs> what we've learned on this show though is like you can't leave a phone beside a bunch of footballers because we've had we had who was it oh it's Div Muir Div Muir and his girlfriend split up because Gary Greenhill or somebody had texted his girl oh answered the phone pretending it was a girl when the girlfriend had called and then she wouldn't believe that he wasn't with a girl. So then they split up. Oh, jeez. Well, mine wasn't that bad. But the thing is, you can't take your phone to train. You can't take it on the picture. You've, you've got to leave it somewhere. Like, That's so true. I, 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 I don't <laughs> know how you to leave it in your car in future. Uh, not, <laughs> not in methyl, Jesus. That's a good point, actually. So, somebody else that I spoke to around yourself, Kev, is, is a guy I know quite well, Stevie Campbell, um, who spoke right. extremely highly of you, but he also <laughs> says that you were a brown noser and that you always laugh at gaffer's jokes because it's, it's obviously you're trying to wangle yourself a position. Is that true or false? Well, Stevie said that because when Gary came in, Stevie was captain at the time and he took the captaincy off me, off him and gave it to me. So Stevie, <laughs> Stevie fell at me for about six months and never spoke to me. And I was like, Whoa. it's no our fault, Stevie. That's why when Gary gave me it. So that's probably why he's trying to get his aim back on me. But oh, sorry, Stevie tell. Campbell. Sorry. <laughs> nah, Stevie, we got, we got on fine. I think at the time Stevie had, he had loads of niggles, didn't he? And the manager, um, the manager was just what I think wanted to concentrate on getting fit, to be honest. Thank you. He wanted to take the responsibility off him and just... Just let him go on with his own game, but we, me, and Stevie, got him brilliant. Um, and Stevie had been at the club a long time as well, hadn't he? And he, uh, he's a good player. He was a really good player. Um, I think he scored. Do you not know, score for the halfway line one game as well when we played, <laughs> didn't he? He, he was a right good player. I think he was Rangers when he was younger, wasn't he as well? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't quite Leeds like you, eh? but I mean, Stevie is a player that, you know, both Michael and I hold in really high regard. He was, he, he was a great servant for the club and, you know, you're, you're, you're getting on that, that sort of territory yourself. I mean, there's not many players that get towards testimonial level, but I mean, you're not kicking the backside off it now. Uh, no, definitely. As I say, I think Stevie had been there for a long period of time and it's amazing how quickly it goes, isn't it? You know, I can remember... Meeting Gary for a coffee, you know, and, and signing and things like that. It's 
it's just mad. And it, you know, as you say, when you when you're enjoying it, things do go fast. So um, I long, long may it sort of continue. And uh, I was actually gutted when Stevie left. You know, he had been talking about it for a few years. He was going to go abroad and things like that. But you know, a, a lot of people say that and they don't actually go and do it. Um, but Stevie was fortunate enough to to, to start a, a new life in Dubai. I think, isn't it? So yeah. I still keep in touch with him as well. And um, I'm sure he'll always be welcome back at Bayview, won't he? He's a good lad. 100%. I think we've only got one more story to ask you about, unless Lee's got any hidden ones that he's not told me about yet. But I, I think a lot of us over the years have wanted to, to punch various Wraith Rovers players. You've actually done that to a teammate oh. at training. <laughs> so what can you tell us about the time that you punched Stephen Simmons? And did Roy Keane get you tips on how to, to do stuff like that? <laughs> no, I, um, I think me and I mean, Simmons is a big character, isn't he? He's a good player and I'll speak about him more when I come to, to talk about my, my best 11. But Simi was a big guy, big character. And uh, I think two was just young at the time. And um, obviously, I've, I think he showed me in training. And I've lost the plot and ended up swinging for him. And then it got split up. And then he swung for me. And to be honest, you know, he's, Simi's a man's man, you know. And when we were in the shower after that, the two hours were, were fine. And we walked away probably with black eyes. And, and that was the end of it. But, um, you know, I still keep in touch with Simi now. And I went ended up going to Queen of the South him as well. But... Um, I've had a few altercations in training, as, as most people, it's a physical game, isn't it? But um, aye, I was, uh, aye, where did you get that story as well, actually? <laughs> I think that was from the <laughs> same Sun interview. Oh, was... <laughs> yeah, you were too <laughs> mouthy to the Sun. I don't know, I should keep my mouth shut. Aye, um, that was a long time ago, a long time ago, I'm quieter now. Kev, so we... can I just say, you seem like the most happy, laid-back, placid <laughs> guy ever. <laughs> and then I read that, and I was like... Kevin Smith said that, like, well, right, okay. Like, um, he's the sort of guy that wouldn't say booty, I guess, but there you go. No, I've got a, um, a captain, so I can't tell too many, but I've got to act a wee bit responsibly, haven't I? I can't go, <laughs> I like some of the boys, so um, aye, maybe in my younger days, I'm, I'm a bit quieter now. The, the thing is, I'm pretty sure all over football in Scotland and England, there's going to be training bust-ups all the time. Because the good thing about football here is, it's very open, and you can we go we get to go to training sessions as media. So it's like we see everything that goes on. Ah, right, okay. So I've seen some interesting bust ups over the years, and like you talked about the Lee Wilkie thing. There was a one of our young guys did a horrendous tackle on one of the the teammates at training, and again our manager was like, "You get the fuck off this pitch now!" And it's like he was fuming at him, and he never played for us again. They got rid of him after that because it was a. It was a possible leg breaker. It was like that bad a tackle because he was frustrated because the guy was making him look stupid. So he got his revenge back. But the best one that we saw here was our designated player, which you're allowed three in MLS, and our goalkeeper had a big Barney. And it's like one of them was the captain, which was the designated player. And the goalkeeper's yelling him saying, oh, do you want to fight? Why don't you show some fucking fight on a Saturday then? And we're all standing there going, oh, <laughs> right, on, right on Twitter going, whoa, this has just happened at training. And then the uh, club's trying to play it down. And it's like, well, it's too late. We all saw it. You can't, you can't you play can't, that yeah. down. So at least in but your day, and at, like in Scotland, you, you get away with stuff like that. Well, these, this happens. You know, these things, are, when I go to train on Tuesday and Thursday, there'll be the altercations with, with two players. And it doesn't necessarily come to physical blows, but somebody will say, oh, like what you've said, the chance you effing 
putting a tackle in like that he did on a Saturday. If you did, we would be higher up the table, you know, yeah. and, and these comments go. And it's just unfortunate when they do physically, you know, it turns into a sort of fight. Did Danny tell you the one with Lee Wilkie and um, was it Kovacevic who'd done the United? No. Uh-huh. Well, they were, in, um, we were on the pitch and I think we used to do 11 v 11 um, on a Friday before the game. And like, obviously I've explained the size of Lee Wilkie and you've seen him yourself. And the two of them, they were both big guys and the two of them came head to head and Lee Wilkie's uh, went and punched Kovacevic, I think his name was, and he's actually broke his jaw. And I think he had to actually shattered and he had to get like an operation and everything like that on his jaw. I don't know if it actually came out in the media at the time, but um, it was a really bad one. <laughs> I mean, you heard that, like, obviously the big, when you hear the big guys, you know, it didn't even look that sort of punch. Like when you, when, well, I say it didn't look, so, you know, it wasn't like a big, sort of massive one. It was just like a little hit and it shattered all his jaw. And he, he went, I think he went on a couple of operations on, on that jaw. Like, so uh, I thought Danny would have, would have told you that one. Yeah. Superb. Well, not, not for the guy, obviously. <laughs> no, <but> I, uh, <laughs> what, what about the one that I read with Roy Keane and Dwight York? Mm. Oh, was this the one with the watch? Yeah. Well, I, I remember it vaguely. I was, obviously, I was quite young at the time, but uh, Dwight I remember what, it was quite laid back. He was Caribbean sort of guy, isn't it? So nothing ball. You're saying I'm laid back. He was laid back. And uh, he came in for training and he was late. And I always remember that he said something like, you know, these watches that are supposed to, like, they just know got a battery in them. I think when you move, it moves, and it picks up the time. I remember them saying something like, uh, my watch was, um, it was something fancy. I don't know how, how they, I think they work with your wrist, don't they? That's it. So as you put it on, and it never adapted at the time. And I remember Roy Keane having a right go at uh, Dwight York, and I always, you know, it's good seeing, because you're used to watching them on the telly, and you're watching them go up, and you see the two of them. But uh, I don't think it bothered Dwight York too much, to be honest with you. I think he was more like, uh, well, just one of these things, isn't it? He's, he was used to it and he was coming to the end of his career, but he did. He went, I think he maybe used them because I think they're pals. Looking back now, he probably used them as I'm an example for the rest of the players. You know, if I can shout at him, I can shout at anyone, but uh, it definitely worked on me anyway. I was never going to be late for training. <laughs> I told this story in a previous show, but one of my favourite incidents of teammates fighting, it was Whitecaps just before they got an MLS and the big striker... And the centre-back, I think they were both Caribbean as well, and big, big guys. They were fighting each other on the pitch at a corner, and they both got sent off. And then one gets sent off, and he goes up the tunnel, and then the other gets sent off, and we're all laughing, and then the bench is just shaking their head. And then someone on the bench obviously clicked, shit, those two guys are alone in the the dressing room together. And you just saw all this panic of folk going up the tunnel, because... Chaos. Absolute chaos. I've never... I've seen people, I've never really seen people roll with a bit of a proper fight. You know, it's usually just a quick, bit, a quick hit and then it gets split. But you see, if you leave the two of them, it could end up in chaos. Because people yeah. care as well, you know. Well, yeah. It's people's careers and you've got, you've got to feed their families, things like that, you know. So they're all fighting for, for their futures. And I think people forget that. Although they love football, you know, it is, it is still their, their profession at the end of the day. So I've gone totally off what we were going to be talking about. So let's get back to some proper football chat just to round this up. Then we'll get to your your best of livings and everything. So we touched from the off, season's about to get underway. Now last season, watching from afar, it was like so exciting because it was such a tough division and we were right in it, right until everything shut down and going great guns to start with, going toe-to-toe with the full-time teams. This season, 
looks like it's going to be even tougher because you've got a couple of full-time teams in there. You've got some ambitious teams like Cove that's looking to do well. You've got teams like Airdrie that's kind of wanting to get back to like their former kind of glory days. How do you see this season shaping up? Because it looks like it's going to be even tougher, but it looks like we've got a squad that is more than ready for such a battle ahead. Definitely, it's just what you said. You know, you've obviously got Partick and Falkirk. They're definitely going to be challenging at the top. Cove, Airdrie, maybe even like some Montrose. You know, they're going to be up there, and and it is. It's going to be probably the hardest league one I've been in a, in a good while. Um, but looking at our squad, I'm I'm happy with. It. Um, I'm sure they're probably the managers as well. You know, we we've had. I think we've only really lost by Anton. I've maybe we've managed to add a couple. A couple of the lads have came through the youths and. Uh, we've got obviously Big Jack and things on loan uh, Thomas Collins has came in has, has improved us as well so we're looking really good and because uh, we speak as players as well and what the boys are saying oh it's going to be tough and I'm, I'm saying remember teams have got to be looking at us as well and saying you know East Fife have improved so we, we've definitely improved um, it's going to be a tougher league so we'll just try our best to try and get that playoff spot um, you know and, and try and keep ourselves up the top end of the table as much as we can try and get a good start um, but it's definitely exciting it's a, it's a very good league this year What do you see your role being kind of in the team on game day it's like ideally what would you like your position to be or how, how do you see your, yourself with a squad I mean, you know, first and foremost the manager says you know I'm a player so when I turn up I just try and concentrate on my game get ready to go um, if the manager or Tony or any of the coaching staff need help with anything like that, you know, I'm sure they'll come in and speak to me being, being the captain of the club and seeing me Aggie, Higgy, you know, other senior boys, but uh, we, we just all muck in, we make sure everyone's ready to go. Um, but no, first and foremost, I'm a player and, and I, I want to try and get back because uh, it's been a stop-start for the last couple of seasons. I've had the operation now, I've got through pre-season, I'm feeling good. So no, I'll be making sure the boys are ready as much as I can and, and making sure that obviously I'm, I'm ready to, to help them on the pitch as much as possible. So, I mean, Dan's put together an exciting squad, as we just talked about there. There's been a lot of key additions. Consistency the last two seasons has been... I know two seasons ago, injuries kind of derailed it a bit, and then COVID derailed it last season. But we started off strong, and then it kind of dipped off to, towards the end. Now, it's a shorter season. Do you feel the consistency is going to be there with this squad? Is there anything that you've seen sort of in the pre-season game so far that you're really excited about about this team? Yeah, well, you know, we've managed to keep the majority of the squad together, which is always a big a big benefit, you know, and we should start to get to know each other's habits a bit better. So when you talk about that consistency, you're talking about, you know, getting that team squad, that team spirit, that, you know, knowing your players a wee bit better. So you'd hope that that would help. Um, and as you say, adding three or four just to freshen it up, you know, uh, it's hard to say, but you know we're looking good, and you know you know it's too much. But um, you know we've looked good pre-season. All the pre-season games have gone well. We've not got any serious injuries, so we definitely look at what you said and hope that we'd be able to stop that, uh, put a wee bit more consistency together. But I think you've got to remember. I think we were, we were third or fourth before we stopped, weren't we? Just before, so I think we've been third most of the season. Which you know you're talking about consistency. That's that's consistent at the top of the table, top end of the table. You know. Um, so I will we'll try and improve on last season and I think that's what the manager's always said you know we, we try and try and bet what we did the season before so I know the season has got short but we'll try and definitely do that and hopefully like you're saying the 27 games yeah, maybe suit us that wee bit better you never know and, and we can go for it 
Yeah, I mean, it's the last two years, and I, this one as well, for me watching out here, because you've got East 5 TV now, and you can watch live games, and it's just been fantastic to watch. It feels like an exciting team. Adding experience, like Danny, you've got yourself there, Aggie, and then the young guys like Hamilton and, and Collins, they look exciting as well. For for you long term, kind of touched on it there and you've mentioned it as well, I get the feeling you'd be interested in going into coaching at some point. I genuinely see you down the line as being a future East Fife manager, not just saying that because we said this on last week's show as well. Because we're a club that often promotes players into managerial roles, is that something you're you're looking to do and like get into coaching, or would an adventure, say, joining your brother down in Australia, be something that would maybe appeal to you? No, definitely. You know, it's something that um, that I want to do when I finish playing. You know, I've just signed up to, to my coaching badges this year. You know, I'll be obviously thirty three. So at the end, you know, I'll I'll not be going to Australia or anything like that. You know, but I'll be staying in Scotland for sure. So. Um, I just, I just try and, uh, you know, try and learn as much as I can off the manager and Tony, and and they sometimes pull pull me to the side and we'll talk about what, you know, like whether it be a shape or whether it be what they're going to do in training and why they're doing it. And if I can just keep picking up these little things, and and hopefully one day I could, I would manage to to be involved in these five coaching side of things, or or if not, keep, you know, keep learning and, and whether it be elsewhere. That it's definitely something I'm, that I'm looking to do, and it's something that excites me as well. You know, it's. You, you, as you get older, you obviously you start realizing your career is going to come to an end at some point. And when you're younger, you don't think about it. But um, mm. no, definitely. And as I say, the main thing is that it excites me, and it's something that I'd really like to do. So, you know, fingers crossed that that I can keep, you know, first of all, playing and picking up these these wee things as I'm going along that will help me. And if I do manage to to get involved in the coaching side in the future. Yeah, I think that you know, speak to the sort of fan side of things. You know, you only have to see you on a match day. Um, if you're not involved, you're still out on the pitch. You're, you're talking to the team. You can see like picking sort of Dan's brain, um, Tony's brain, that sort of stuff. So I think the majority of fans probably see in that sort of role. I don't know why, and I'll apologise to Dan Young if you're listening. But I see Darren probably this season he'll get snapped up. I, I do genuinely believe that. But I, something in my head strikes me that it's going to be Gary Naismith that comes back and uses assistant. Would that be sort of like that? Would he be sort of like the ideal person to learn from? Or obviously, if, even if Darren, if Tony McMinn um, left, and you got the chance to work under Darren, is that what you see a sort of natural progression as an assistant manager, and then to, to first team manager, or, or just getting around the sort of coaching team as a whole? Uh, well, first of all, it's nicely, obviously, that using the fans and see me as having the potential, to, you know, to go and do that. So, so first of all, thanks very much. Uh, second of all, I agree with you, Dad and, and Tony. I think they're definitely capable, you know, going uh, to to the step above, whether that be this season, next season, or whenever that is. You know, they're definitely capable. I think the gaffer's been linked with just about every job uh, going. Um, so every full time job going anyway. Uh, so I'm sure, the, with no disrespect to his five, but I'm sure the gaffer wants to further his career as well with the level that he played at. Um, he'll he'll be looking at that. <laughs> Gary's at your work, so you're obviously <laughs> linking him with his five job. Uh, he's he's obviously been been here and done it. He knows the club. So if that came, you know, I would just speak. If that came about, it would obviously be be something that that I would be, I would look at because I want to get in co- involved in coaching and, and whether I was learning off uh, guys or or dad and uh, Tony McMinn guys like that, you know, I would I would just be be grateful probably for the opportunity to to work alongside any of them because 
as you say, there's, there's a lot to learn. Um, I think you, it does help that you've played the game. I don't think you need to have played it, but when you've spent so long in football, it definitely helps. Um, and even like you saw my mates got an under under twelve team I've been along there taking training sessions, things like that. And you know, it you, you sounds uh, it sounds sort of scripted, but you never stop learning. Do you? even watching the telly, you know, and things like that, and how they they players work and. Um, it's good. It's a good time to be involved in football. You know, I think the game's slightly changing as well. We're going back to people, you know, passing the ball, and it's not necessarily just big guys. And it's good. And um, I, uh, I'm definitely just uh, just looking to learn. So, so hopefully, I'm lucky enough to, to stick around at this club as long as possible. Hopefully, mate, we would like to see you there as long as possible. So we're on to the the sort of windy down questions now. You'll probably be pleased to know. I think I said ninety minutes here. We're not too far off that. <laughs> That's my fault. I went completely off tangent. So hold <laughs> Michael accountable for that. <laughs> a few sort of short snippy questions, and then we'll go straight into your 11s. And by the sounds of things, you've done your due diligence. I was good this week, Michael, and I remembered to send it on an advance. <laughs> obviously, you've had more clubs than Tiger Woods, right? So you're going to and a lot of teams. But what's your favourite shirt that you wore? Black and gold. He's Fife, obviously. I'll have to say that, won't I? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, at his Fife then, when I think of Kevin Smith, I think he in the, in the, the shirt that we wore, the, the League One the year, so it was a gold Joma kit with the, the sort of black sleeves um, your first sort of stint as captain but any other kits that you like I mean obviously I know we spoke at the start of the show about the new kit which is quite nice but right. any, any other ones that, that you've enjoyed playing? Um, I like the uh, the purple one as well that was nice uh, the black ones obviously was a wee change um, the rest of them obviously it's just the stripes so they're very similar but the, the one we won the league obviously I've got that kept uh, signed up the stairs so I've kept that um, but I'm probably the same as you. I'm looking forward to a wee change and I'm looking forward to this season's one. I, I think it's really nice. I like it. Good. So that takes us on to the next question then. Um, so it was memorabilia. So Mike, Mike and I are, are very um, well, sad. And we, and we like... <laughs> oh, sad? My wife thinks it's sad. <laughs> but... <laughs> you know, I'm quite sentimental with kits. It, it takes a lot for me to to get rid of them and in particular if it's ones that I like like my wife bought me the uh, for Father's Day this year the Man United you know the blue and white um, 1993-94 ah yep 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 is that one of the toggles on there yeah oh nice ever so like I I like memorabilia and sort of retro stuff is there any stuff from your career you know whether it be like obviously we heard that you were at Leeds did did you keep any of your, your sort of Stuff from there, any of your stuff from Sunderland, any any or sort of, anybody you've swapped shirts with, anything like that. Probably just when I signed with Sunderland, you know, because we had been relegated from uh, from the Premier League with, with Leeds. Obviously, I was in the first team, but when I went to Sunderland, I went as a first team player, and, and Mike McCarthy had my strip. We obviously the lion with the Premiership on the side, and and that. So probably when he took me to the kit room and showed me my strip and. Uh, obviously my number things like that it, it was good and I've, I've got them upstairs so I've always kept that because it's like a proper premiership strip so I never got yeah. a chance to wear it in the premiership like, but uh, it was it was good to keep yeah, What number were you at Sunderland then? Oh, I think it was like it was high I can't actually remember the number but um, I think it was like 21 what's it 21 or something like that it was high but um, I think it was, I've got the stairs, I'll maybe need to look that to the exact number, but I just remember, you know, the print of the Premiership logo, that, that was the yeah. main one. That was, was nice. Was it the one that had the, the lion on the side of it? Was it that, that Premiership logo? Yeah, yeah. That's right, mate. I was smart. I was nice. Oh, so uh, I've got that one up the stairs, actually. I keep, keep that one in the house. Brilliant. 
and anybody swap shirts with their knees? Nobody big, to be honest with you. No, I don't think I've ever really been that one that swap shirts. Um, no, I've never, I've never really done it. No, never, I never swap shirts. Well. See, if I was a footballer, because obviously he played in the Dundee United game against Messi and stuff, and I'd have been, honestly, like hanging around every decent player. Like, <laughs> when I was, at, uh, I was at Notts County and we got uh, Man City in the Cup. So we yeah. managed to, I never actually, I never got off the bench, but uh, we went to the Etihad. And uh, well, we were put them in Notts County, and it was when they signed Big Jekyll for all the millions. And uh, we managed to get a draw, and we went back to the Etihad, and I was on the bench, and I was dying to get on. So that was probably the one time because Tevez and things like that were playing at the time. So that was the one I probably would have swapped shots. But even being on the bench, I was I was like you're too proud to go and ask for somebody's shot because you never actually played in the game. So I just left it. But probably, uh, and even a lot of the lads never even asked for people's shots. I think. I think when you look back, you, you probably wish you did, but you forget at the time. For you're probably down because you got beat, or you never got on, or you missed a chance, or you got sent off, something like that. Um, so you always sort of forget, well, I always forgot anyway. Oh, fair enough. Right. So we'll skip the next question and we'll just go straight into your all-time 11s because I know that we've, we've had you for a wee bit while, uh, longer than we said that we would. So I think what we'd like to do is obviously your, your best 11 that you played with is always the first one that they asked. And, and you're going to have played with some good players, so I'm looking forward to getting my phone. Well, just rattle, uh, just rattle yeah. off. I just rattle through. It. Um, I've got obviously Scott Carson in goals, who was who's at Leeds with me. I've put Gaza in left back. Um, I've got John Thompson, who played with, with Northern Ireland in Notts County. Marvin Andrews, Lee Walkie, um, Johnny Housen, um, Stephen Simmons, who was at Rafe. I always thought he was a right good player. and could have went higher. Um, Lee. Uh, James Milner was in my youth team at Leeds, Aaron Lennon, uh, Lee Hughes, and also played in a couple of reserve games with Dwight York. So uh, that's who, who I've played with. Um, so a few names there. That's a good team. Good team. Um, against Casper uh, Smeichel, uh, played against him. Nemanja Vidic played uh, when he was at Man United. Uh, big Jason Kerr, put him in at centre half. You know, he was at St. Johnson, I think. Uh, I think just more what he could do in his career. You know, he's probably got a right good chance of going on. Uh, Kean Richardson, uh, Sir David Gray, obviously at Hibs, being a Hibby. Um, Darren Gibson, uh, remember him with Everton, Man United. Um, I don't know if you remember the guy Darren Anderton, used to play with England, played against him in a reserve game yep. for, for Birmingham. Martin Woods, he uh, was at Leeds um, with, I played against him as well. Woods, who was a good player. Uh, I've went three up front, uh, Troy Deeney, Stephen Fletcher, and uh, I just went Giuseppe Rossi, who, who was at Man United oh. as well. And played a, we played, obviously, Leeds Man United, didn't like each other, so there was always uh, good reserve games. Um, so I played a lot, of, a lot of reserve games from probably 17 up to probably 21. So you, you managed to get a lot of first-team boys coming back, and although it wasn't probably, probably first, you wanted to play a first-team match, it was good to play against these guys. And I think Vidic had just signed for about ten million pounds for Man United, you know things like that. So, so that's what I managed to come up with. <laughs> that's an impressive attack. Impressive attack, yeah. <laughs> what the one played against? Yeah, well, the one with as well, but like the one against is, is pretty impressive. Aye. You ever see Fergie kicking about in our reserve games? I know that he used to go to a lot of them. Aye, he would would have obviously been there at the time. Um, he would have been sat up in the stands. So I can't remember actually bumping into him or anything like that. But um, they were they were always good good games. I remember that. Um, you know, reserve games down south are quite big. Can you get big crowds? Because especially in the Premiership, you, you know, you, you've got good players playing as you as you can sort of see there. So 
it was always good playing against them, and uh, it shows how you forget how good they are, you know, when you're playing. And I remember Keenan Richardson, who's quite an average player for Man United, he went in the leagues. He was um, he was like the best player on the pitch for, for like fullback. I think it was left or right back, and I'm thinking I've never seen a boy run. You know, she's a centre midfielder, a striker, and uh, he always stands out. But he was unbelievable. Giuseppe Rossi's over here in MLS now with Real Salt Lake and when they signed him we were like how the hell did they sign Giuseppe Rossi it's some random place playing in Utah of all places it's just weird is he still as good? he's not but yeah like he's lost a step but he's got that name that it's like oh Giuseppe Rossi's on the pitch Uh, that's right he was blowing he was uh he was maybe the next big king, wasn't he? And at the time, he, he was unbelievable, you know, just passing and moving. And Man United, you know, with Fergie, was, he was a manager. They were, they were always different class. He was chocolate, though, wasn't he? That, that, his career's absolutely been blighted by injury. Nah. Absolutely chocolate. Nah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, mate. I told you it wasn't going to be too bad on you. We've, we've tried to spare you a wee bit. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed that, mate. Nah, thanks very much for having me, as I say, but... Took a while to get me on, but uh, thanks very much for having me, and I do appreciate it. Um, and I hopefully, I'll not see yourself at, at Bayview, but I hope to see you, you there yeah. soon. Thanks for your time tonight, Kevin. Good luck this season, and yeah, absolute pleasure chatting to you, man. All right, make sure you keep in touch, all right? Will do. Cheers, Kevin. Cheers, lads. Cheers, right. cheers. East Fife captain Kevin Smith there, and without being repetitive, another great interview, Lee. Yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Um, very, you wonder what he's like, it's a lot funnier um, than I expected him to be. And no disrespect to you, Kevin, like, absolutely no disrespect to you at all. And I, it, was, it was a really good laugh, like, I really enjoyed. You know, it, it, it comes across as like sort of ideal sort of captain profile where he'll be very, very PC. And I was messaging him back and forward, I think it was maybe just yesterday. Um, and I was like, is there any subjects? Like I always ask people, is there any subjects that are off limits because you don't want to upset anybody that you're interviewing? He said, nothing's off limits, but just be sensible with the questions. Now, this is coming from Kevin, who told me they would listened to a couple of the shows. I was like, I don't think sensible is something <laughs> come across in our podcast, but fair enough. Um, you know, it's particularly if you ask my wife, who gave me a complete bashing about my uh, COVID rant last week. So apologies to anybody that I offended with my uh, COVID rant last week. Much of, um, and whilst I'm on the verge of apologising, apparently my language last week was terrible as well. So sorry, mom. But yeah, um, the the Kevin Smith one. Um, yeah, I, I would try to ask him some sensible questions. Yeah. Some stories in there too. Well, yeah, you never mentioned that aspect when he said, "Let's just keep it sensible." So I, I was putting on my bad cop hat for a little bit. I'm fed up be, being the good cop. I thought I'd just throw some fun ones in there it was a lot of fun asking those yeah and you know what it was good to see you make some mistakes in this week as well oh, not only oh. just me, so. I hate that it's like genuinely I am such a perfectionist and when I'm writing my articles I read them over a couple of times I edit it the podcast I'm meticulous with cutting stuff out and oh that's pissed me off so much that I went with Wikipedia and something was wrong in it genuinely genuinely annoyed I blame him he knows it's wrong in his Wikipedia why did he not change the fucking thing 
Yeah, why hasn't he done anything about it? Kevin, you know, get a grip of your life, mate, and get this fixed. Come on. I mean, anyone could now go onto Wikipedia and put anything. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder what we could do. I wonder who's Wikipedia we should edit. I think we should edit Billy Browns. Oh, been there, done that. Do you know, every time someone says that phrase now, because Danny said it last week and Kev said it this week, I just immediately think of Billy Brown. Yeah. You know, I, I, th- I think that we should definitely try and edit some uh, celebrities or, or former Fife players. Let us know who you think we should do. Billy Brown's my guess. Um, and you know that we should say that he's, he's going to name his next kid being there, Dunhings or whatever. <laughs> he places Dunhings. Um, or, or in his, you know, in his honours list, being places done things. Um, we definitely should be doing something like that. But let us know what your thoughts are, guys. But it was a, it was a good chat with Kevin, and there's something we talked about just off air after we finished doing it is like speaking to Danny last week, speaking to Kevin this week, seeing some of the other interviews that that Liam's done on, on East Five TV. We have got such a a a good squad, such a good dressing room. And it's like the whole vibe feels, I know we keep going on about a family, but I mean, it, it genuinely feels there's a lot of warmth there. These are super nice guys. They all seem to get on. There doesn't seem to be any bastards in the locker room that pisses everyone off. And I mean, maybe there is and everyone's just being really nice about it and not really admitting to it. But it does feel like a really good vibe. And I think that's half the battle. When you've got a dressing room, that is all united and buying into what the manager's doing, you're going to do well on the pitch. I've seen it out here at the Whitecaps the last couple of seasons. We've had some pretty divided dressing rooms with language issues and cultural issues and just people that didn't like the coach and stuff like that, and it's shown on the pitch. I think what Dan has put together, what the board's put together, having a guy like Kevin as one of the leadership there and Danny as one of the leadership... It's great for the club. Yeah, but again, as much as we give Darren kudos, you've got to bring uh, Gary Naismith into that and give Gary the kudos for bringing him in, making him captain, and then also the, the kudos to, to, to Darren for, for that continuity that he, and keeping Kev the captain. Although it was funny hearing uh, Kevin saying that Stevie Campbell didn't talk to him for six months. I genuinely about wet myself at that. I get that right up you, Stevie. You must have been raging. Yeah. But is there anyone Stevie didn't fall out with? Fell out with Willie Hitchison, fell out with Kev. Stevie, maybe you're the problem, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, it's like when there's all these issues and it, you're the one common denominator, just saying. Just saying, yeah, just saying. But look, again, you know, we've got a, such a good feel-good factor around the club. In my lifetime, there's, there's never, in my opinion, been a better time to be an East Fife fan in terms of what we've got going on at the pitch. You know, we've got the youth team coming back through. We've got the social element of having the the, the Astro um, down at Bayview as well, and the fact that it's bringing the community into it. Um, I think that the people that we've got on the board are really, really important to that because you've got the links between the fans and the board. So you're Liam Anderson, you're Stephen Mills. You know, you've you've got you've got people. In fact, I'm going to put Jim Stevenson in this bracket as well. People that are putting the club at the heart of everything that they do and I think that they, they take the fans into that as well um, you know I'm not going to be afraid down the line to, to criticise the club if I think that we've put a foot wrong you know, oh no yeah I'm not going to 
sit and, and kiss their ass forever if they do something I'm not happy with. Believe me, you'll hear me. But I think that right now it's a great time to be a FIFA fan. Absolutely. And when we're reviewing the games, if it's been a shit performance, it's like we're, we're going to call out. We're not just going to be sitting here and doing otherwise. But, I mean, Kevin's a great guy to lead the club. And I genuinely can see him in coaching, manager at East Fife at some point, because we do have a history of promoting from within, going way back, if you, well, even before this, but like looking at Davy Clark onwards, like that whole success of promoting a player and then, I mean, it's worked, sometimes it hasn't, Gavin Murray being one of the examples, but I, I definitely see he's got a, a future at East Five after his playing days are over. I like the relationship he's got with Danny Swanson as well. And we had some really good, fun stories there. So Kev was good with, with being a, a good sport with all that. And we're going to find out in a future show some fun more things uh, about Kevin Smith. But let's turn our attentions back to Danny Swanson. You heard from him last week. So I think it's only fitting that we find out this week if Danny Swanson fancies a chocolate digestive. So, I mean, this is a section. You're not truly a, an East Fife player until you've had this question asked. I, I feel we've now established that, that that is the fact. So if you're sitting at home, Danny, and you decide to have a hot beverage, do you go for a tea, a coffee, or something else? First thing I go for is the Nespresso machine, and I have got mine here the now. Fancy. It's, uh, usually the strongest I can get. Uh, but at this time of night, I usually go for the decaf, uh, quite strong, a little bit of milk. I ah, see, that's sensible. I have a bad habit of, so I do a lot of my writing at night. So I have a coffee late on at night and then I can't get to sleep. <laughs> well, I, that's, that's, uh, I've learned a lesson for that back in the day. So uh, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> so when, when you're having a, a, your Nespresso then, do you have a sweet tooth? What would be your biscuit of choice to accompany it? Do you know what? I don't really have a biscuit with my coffee. Sometimes sometimes during the day, if I'm having a cup of tea, I'll, I'll, my, my go-to is the, the original digestives. No the chocolate, just the original digestive. I will take that. I'll take that. I usually end up having six or seven, which is a problem. Ah, yeah. How, 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 are you, is, how do you have a footballer's body? <laughs> I have six or seven and I look like I currently look, so that's no fair. <laughs> <laughs> So if you were to have your digestive with it then, would you be a dunker? Of course. But I've got a certain way of doing it. Okay. I've got a... It's got to be half in. Half in, bite. And again, half, bite. And then just a wee touch and then bite. So it's a a three-stage thing. Interesting. That's your digestive formation then? That's basically it. (laughs) If it it falls into the cup, then we just start again. (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll, com- we get the kettle back again. we'll combine all these as an end of season thing we'll just put everything together and get everyone's tips for how they eat biscuits anyone fancy a chocolate digestive anyone fancy a chocolate digestive So Danny Swanson there, what more can you say? Great signing, likes digestives, can't ask for anything more. Well, some goals that sees our name flashed up on Twitter. 
That's that's my big hope. We've spent that sponsorship money. We want to see ourselves out there on Twitter. Yeah, Danny, deadly serious, mate. You know, that that was our listeners' hard-earned cash that we spent sponsoring you, mate. So it's time to start. The chickens are coming home to roost now, mate. You've you've came on the podcast. We like you as a guy, but that's only going to get you so far. I mean, the, the last thing we want for Danny is him to be at games and opposing fans if they get let in are going, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? We want him to score so that folk know exactly who they are. But I tell you who we might not know who it is. It's time for this week's Who Are You? So, welcome to this week's Who Are You? And obviously we've, we've discussed that we're going to change the format up. So we're delighted to be joined by Stephen Mill, club director, club anorak, historian and all-round East 5 geek. He's going to be in charge of the questions from now on. It's Lee versus Michael, Gillis versus McCall, Bald, Bald versus Bald. Let's do this. Okay, thanks, Lee. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, first clue is, I've got five clues in front of me, um, but I'm prepared to... I don't know if you have uh, if you extra if you don't get it. Uh, first clue: Born twentieth of August, nineteen seventy-five. Second clue: Before joining East Fife, he was part of a team that caused a shock by knocking Aberdeen out of the Scottish Cup. Before joining East Fife. Before joining East Fife. Right. Okay, I'll carry on. Third clue: He had two spells with East Fife. 86 appearances and six goals. He sometimes scored the odd goal. And that's the third clue. No, no. Yeah, keep going. Okay. Fourth clue, he was a promotion winner with his five. I might come back to that clue and give you a wee bit more info there. He won promotion with his five, born in 1975. Okay. Fifth clue. After leaving East Fife, he earned the Scottish Junior Cup winner's medal with Linlithgow Rose. Okay. It's not Gordon Russell, is it? Pardon? Is it not Gordon Russell? It isn't Gordon Russell. Okay, I'll give you a wee sixth clue here. He was part of the same promotion winning team as Gordon Russell. You're going to kick yourself, one or two of you. Herkes? No, part of that same team. He wasn't a forward. He scored six goals. He had two spells with his five. He left to join our growth. You and Donaldson. You've got it. Oh, I was going to yes. say you and Donaldson earlier, and I was yes, like, then. I didn't think you and had two spells with us. He did because he went away and he came back, um, and I didn't realise he was in your cup. Get it right up yet. Okay. I had you down as favourite, Lee, because you were his big buddy. Yeah. Or wee buddy in these days. You weren't so big I in did. these days. Honestly, it, was, it was the question that threw me off was when you're like, is part of the team that beat Aberdeen? But then I was like, he must have done that with Stenhouse Muir. He, he did, aye. He did. Yeah. He won man of the match that particular day. Uh, and I had to check that. That, that is now off the top of my head. But uh, he won man of the match the day. They won, uh, I think it was a replay, and they, they, they beat Aberdeen. 
So, um, Mike, how does it taste? Uh, well, I'll be used to this, I think, throughout all this. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'd memorised the dates of birth of Davy Clark, Tom McCafferty, and Steve Archibald just in case, but it wasn't any of them. <laughs> I tried to be fair and cover both the eras that, yeah. that you guys were involved in. I might be go a wee bit off piste in future episodes. That's um, good. And test your historical knowledge. Yeah. Anything in the last 10 years I will be hopeless with, but it turns uh, out anything too. in the last 20 years I'm going to be hopeless with. So, Yeah. Your, your big clue there was when you're like, he wasn't a... I, think I, could have, I thought he'd have scored a lot more than six goals for us. Six. I know. It, they were all good ones. I'm sure he used to yeah. do long rangers. And, mm. Yeah. So the, the, there was no tap-ins from Ewan. He was a left-sided defender, obviously. But yeah. uh, Fantastic. But there's your answer. Perfect. Thanks really so much. That. This is going to be good. So that was this week's Who Are You? Lee got it. I didn't. Many thanks to Stephen Mill, though, for jumping on and doing that. Hope you hope you liked that. You can still play along at home, and it's just you'll get the answer right away. So, I mean, that, that's a good thing. But, I mean, great guy to do that, Lee. Fountain of knowledge. I'm looking forward to this in the coming weeks. Yeah, bring it on, Michael. Bring it on. There's a, there's a few segments that's coming up. Although one of the things that I did want to bring up this week was we never, ever found out who's rap one. I was thinking about that a couple of days ago. I got no feedback in mine at all, possibly because everyone fast-forwarded the episode. That's the danger with timestamps. Folk can do that. One of the things that I will say is that um, my wife texted me just saying, uh, like a voice up going, back and call. Back and call. So I think that she liked your version, mate. So, um, look, let's I've always been out. a big fan of Rachel. I know you have, kiss ass. Um, but <laughs> I didn't know I was allowed to do that. Awesome. <laughs> Crack on. Uh, so um, if you have listened to both, and I'll say this again in inverted commas, raps, um, please do. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> please do let us know who won. We are going to have this competition that's heating up. We'll maybe put out a poll on Sunday to, to see who's rap that you think's better. Vote for me. Yeah, and vote for me. And if you don't vote at all, we're going to have to do it again. And I don't think anyone anyone wants that. Definitely not. But we, we always like to hear from you. And we're wanting to know so much from you, our beloved listeners, which is bringing us nicely to, to this week's mailbag. Has, has it been a full sack for you this week, Lee? Or did we manage to get some of that spilled out? Well, so it depends who you ask. Um Again, we had the, the, the usual reactions from the usual people saying how much they enjoyed it. Um, had some feedback from Shook Riccardi this week, who's just managed to catch up in the David Clark interview, which he loved. Um, we've also had some emails come through this week, which is great. So just going to bring them up. So we've had one through from Graham Donaldson, um, who, when I'd mentioned that I tried to get a hold of Arnold Marika, which he still hasn't read, even read my message yet, 
he sent me a link that he did on a Craig Demon interview, which um, hopefully we'll be able to maybe even bring Graham onto the show and talk about that a bit later on. But one of the things that I wanted to bring with the AAT this week was the, the rest of Eric Brown's all-time teams. We've not had any more come through this week, but the one that I'm going to bring to you this week was pe- the people that have had more than one spell at East Fife, um, and the criteria as well. Loans not included, and again, a bit of license taken on position. So, here we go. The first one is his goalkeeper was David Gorman. He then went for Alex Ray, Ken Halley, Stuart Burgess, Ewan Donaldson, Bertie Miller, David Kirkwood, Stevie Kirk, Stevie Nicholas, Paul Hunter, and Paul McManus. His subs were Willie McKillick, Kevin Hegarty, James Herkes, Ross Graham, and Billy Heard. So I quite like that. It was, in fact, a little bit different criteria um, than what we've had before. And then finally, he's went for a um, fully internationalist who played for East Fife sometime during their career uh, for Scotland or stated otherwise. So he went for Gordon Marshall, who got one cap, Robbie Nielsen, who got one cap, Craig Demon, who we just spoke about, and um, he got seven caps for Trinidad and Tobago. We got, he, had, he picked John Mattis, who got one cap, Gary Naismith, who got 46. Robert Pritz, who got 56 caps for Sweden. Stephen Hughes, who got one cap for Scotland. Steve Archibald, who got 27 caps for Scotland. Gordon Jury, who got 43 caps. Stevie Crawford with 25. And Willie Johnson with 22. And his subs were Ernie McGuire with two caps. Steve Pittman with three caps for the USA. Goran Stanich with two caps for Macedonia. Arnold Derica with 73 caps for Trinidad and Tobago and Pat Quinn with four caps. So that was great work that you'd done there, Eric. We really enjoyed that. That was excellent. I, I really like that kind of stuff. That, oh God, I mean, you think of some of the guys that we've had over the years and the, the level that, that they've played at. And like Craig Demon, just going back to him, I know he was over here coaching a women's university team for a while because I'd thought about getting in touch with him many years ago just to, to do an interview for the, the show over here, because he'd played in MLS a little bit as well, and I thought, no one's really going to care. But it w- would be interesting to maybe get hold of him if we can't get hold of, of Arnie. I'm pretty sure we can track him down, because the last time I checked, I think he was still the, the head coach at the at the university. But, I mean, that list of players, I mean, tremendous stuff. One thing that really jumps out for me there, I didn't realise Steve Archibald had such few caps, 27 when you think he played for Spurs, he played for Barcelona. Depends, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he was probably playing in the same sort of positions as like, the likes of Kenny Dalglish. And McCoyst yeah. and Charlie Nicholas so and Frank McIntyre. had a lot of good players ahead of him. You know what I mean? So that, that's probably been to his detriment, whereas he would walk into the Scotland team now. Oh, God. What we'd give for a... For a Steve Archibald figure, I mean, the time the next show comes out as well, we will know a little bit more about our potential Nations League fate. So, I mean, that's something for us to, to talk about as well. Wouldn't mind Steve Archibald in for that game against Israel. Yeah, but I, that was great by Eric. Thanks so much for that. And like I say, I genuinely love So, we've got like one more um, team from Eric, which is his 1986 to 1999, but we'll keep that back for next season. He did a lot of work, so I want to give him the, the credit that he quite rightly um, deserves. And, and as always, look, guys, send us your all time 11s over. E- even if you want to split it up into eras, whatever, whatever, particularly mm. if you're older guys, that's absolutely fine. I'm really interested to, to, to hear people's thoughts. We've not had many through for 
for a while. If, I, if you've sent one in and I've missed it, I do apologise. Please email it over to glorydaysatgold.gmail.com. I get lost in the social media at times. Yeah, there is a lot of Twitter chat. It is easy to, to kind of lose. I make the mistake after games here, before we do our show, I'm like, oh, send me your thoughts on the match. Never learn. It's like a big string of tweets and there's nothing more boring in a podcast than just sitting reading out 20 or 30 tweets. So, but you kind of don't want to leave anyone out because they've taken time replying to you. Also, we're still looking for things like your favourite away day memories, favourite hard men of Scottish football. Surprised folk haven't been coming in with Graham Souness. I was just thinking after last week's show with Roy Aitken, Graham Souness was an absolute hard man, a, a nutter. When we talked to Kevin Smith there, about like players fighting on the pitch and stuff like that. Of course, there was the famous Lee Boyer, Kieran Dyer fight at Newcastle. The that was on the pitch. It's always shown in March of the day. And I spoke to Andy O'Brien, who had played for Newcastle and Ireland and the Whitecaps, and he was on the bench that day. He'd played and had been subbed off. And I'd asked him, "What was that like seeing that happen?" And he said, "To this day, he still doesn't really know exactly what happened." But he does remember afterwards, Graham Souness was the boss in Newcastle. Not a happy chappy in the dressing room. Wanting to fight both of them. Say, if you want to fight, come outside, I'll fight you. <laughs> Would not mess with Graham Souness. No. <laughs> Moving on to the mailbag, um, before before I forget, I got a, a, tweet, uh, a tweet from Kestrel Scott, who said, Mike did my Mount Rushmore when you were on your holidays. So apologies to anybody that uh, caught that error out, which both Michael and I forgot. But he's, yeah. he's also said... I forget the show after I've recorded it, to be honest. I'm old now. Yeah, I've just no excuse. Um, but yeah, just a, um, a little funny ditty that he sent us over. So I play the podcast when I'm at work uh, in my office and the amount of people that pop in trying to figure out some of the things that you guys are saying are hilarious. I've got them a few of them that say Mon the Fife at the end too. So that's absolutely brilliant. Love that. If um, Scott, if you can get any of them recorded saying it, we'll, we'll play it at the end of our show. We'll try and mix it up a little bit. You know, I, I would love to hear that in an American accent. And again, a, a guy I've mentioned already, Stephen Brand, get that sent over to us. We want to hear your version of it too. Yeah, I, I've been ending the, the show I do over here with Mon the Caps for a while now, but Mon the Fife. It's like folk for ages didn't know what Mon meant. I've had folks saying, what does Mon mean? I'm like, short for come on. And they're like, oh. <laughs> well, I hope, there you go, and that's an explanation for any of our American listeners as well. So, also, I I would just like to point out, I actually started the Mon the Fife thing after Mon the Biff. It started out on AFTN, so I think I am due royalties for for all this over the years. I'm pretty sure that there is um, some merch there, so maybe the club are, are due some due diligence. That might pay for these five gold memberships. So maybe. Oh well, yeah, there we go. I do own the domain monthefife.com as well. And possibly monthefife.co.uk, I can't remember. So, that is it for the mailbag. Get more stuff coming in. Even any new segments that we haven't asked you for, if you've got a, a great idea for something for us to talk about in Canvas the Fans, let us know. One last thing. Again, somebody that suggested some sections to us that I need to actually remember to talk about is a big thanks to Jim Ewing, um, who's a friend of mine, um, a really, really top guy, and he works at a printer's and he's printed enough some Glory Days of Gold stickers. If that's something that you would be interested in, getting a sticker for your car or you know for your kid's room or whatever, then give me a shout. I've got absolutely loads of them. The other thing that I want to mention before we forget is I put out some social media stuff last um, earlier on the week. 
about our right backs, but it went down oh, like yes. a, an absolute dead balloon. So I've only had a couple of responses. I don't know if any is you caught that. So I'm going to tweet it out again, um, and for, and just in case anybody missed it. But look, send us your suggestions for your right backs for our all time eleven. We're not forgetting about this. It's something that we really want to compile. So if you've got any suggestions for your right back for the, the all time fans eleven, then then do send that over. Tom Connor gets my vote. I'd also tweeted out looking for folks' thoughts going into the season. What were their concerns? What were they looking forward to? And no one replied to that either. It's, Twitter's weird. Sometimes you get responses to things you're not expecting and there's a mass of it. And then stuff you think you're going to get some responses on, you don't get anything. One thing I would like to request, if East Five could look at doing this, is car magnets. The Whitecaps do this, and they were giving it out as freebies when they go to events and stuff. So it's their crest cut as a magnet that just sticks on the back of your car. So I've got two Whitecaps ones either side of my license plate, so I'd really, really like to get uh, an East Fife one. And if they can't do that, we can maybe look at a Glory Days of Gold one. There you go. Definitely need to see that as, as something that I could see. Um, I've, I've got a few contacts now we're having to get all this merch made, so we'll see if that's something that we could do. But now we're going to get to one of my favourite bits of the show and I'm actually looking forward to it more than I usually do because I'm not picking the song for this week. It's time for this week's Wavelength and Lee is picking the song. So I've went out for one that's a little bit different to the tripe that Michael normally plays. Um, So Football Violence Awareness Month is officially over, guys. And we hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. However, I'm going to bring to you a man who's not known for his violence, but more for his goals. So I'm going to put a kind of who are you spin in our wavelength and let's see if Michael gets it. So this man was a player and it's not a song about football. Oh. By a footballer. So he played for one of the top clubs in England. Oh God, it's Kevin Keegan, isn't it? Nope. <laughs> That's good because his songs are dreadful. No, it's, there's no crooning in this one, just absolutely amazing sort of hip-hop house pop rap vibes oh well that rules out hoddle and waddle um now you didn't you didn't say that he was from the uk did you he is it's not alexi lalas don't oh i was going with clint dempsey actually because he's got uh he did a rap album it's actually not bad (laughs) So has Memphis Depay, so we maybe need to listen to that one. Um, he's released some rap music, but no, this person has been capped for England and scored a fair few goals. Oh, it's Andy Cole. It's Andy Cole. So I've gone this week with an absolute classic, um, and I use that term very, very lightly, but as a Man United fan, um, I wanted to bring one that maybe fans hadn't heard before, particularly our younger generation. So I know that there's a few um, East Five fans like Stevie Gill, who's a Man United fan, that, that listen to this. I bet you've never heard this. So here it is. It was released in 1999, and it's Andy Cole with Outstanding. Andy Cole, Pi Piper, the unknown MC, represent the mic and we rock the party, yo, we flex record, who's the microphone stepper, no one can do it better, yo, we're outstanding,
for the gold Keep my eyes on the prize, my inspiration To celebrate life, to rock the nation Gather round, get close to me Here's a VIP to my private party The host with the most got clientele Guaranteed to rock the mic well Can I kick it? Yes you can A summertime rhyme and a party jam Chop like a razor, speak to a major Busy like Ollie, did Joe Fraser I reminisce back to the schoolyard I used to work hard, I used to play hard Got my kicks from hitting the net Not from drugs, you bet we're outstanding Forever, whatever the weather, less than a hundred percent. Never the son of a minor, funkiest rhymer. Always in the news, my crew's the headliner. 7.5 mil record breaker, rapping on the mic, I'm a record maker. Keeping it real, I'm keeping it raw, and I kick racism out the front door. Come on, everybody, let's feel the beat. My bass fight bumping in the street, and if you like the way that my DJ plays, somebody say ho, somebody say hey. Around, get down to the rhythm Listen to the message in the rhyme that I give them I hope and pray that you go far And you can be a shining star Yo, outstanding And be the best you can And if they say can you kick it Say yes I can You might become a doctor A lawyer A striker A heavyweight champ Like Louis the fighter But don't let no one get you down Cause whatever you do You'll wear the crown Outstanding So there he goes, Andy Cole with Outstanding. Did you think it was outstanding? Did you think it was utter garbage? Let us know in the comments section. <laughs> I kind of actually like it. I it's... do as well. I, I'd listened to it not that long ago when I was trying to find new stuff for our, our show here. And I was like, that's good. So I haven't played that. You find a song that I have not played in four years of doing Wavelength. So I'm very impressed. There you go. I like to do my due diligence. Um not just by Wikipedia, if you listen to any other interviews, but yeah, that song's a total guilty pleasure. It's one of the ones that you, you play. But here's another thing for you, right? And, and this, do, do you know how you have one of those things? And this is totally not football related, but do you know how you have those 
realizations when you were today years old when you found something out. So you know the song, my girl wants to party all the time, yeah. party all the time. Eddie Murphy sings that song. I did not know that. You are today years old when you find out that it's Eddie Murphy that sang that song. And if you keep that in the show, then I bet I everybody that's listening to this is going to go, what? Yeah, I've heard that out this week. I was like, that is absolutely mental. I did not know that. Well, what I, what I thought I would try and do as well is whatever you picked for Wavelength, next week when I'm picking it, I'm going to try and find a song that complements it in some way. So it's going to be, be linked in some way to the song that you've played. Because this is something me and my friend Danny, who was in a lot of local bands over the years, the receiving end, Danny Holland, he's well known in the, in the local scene. I used to go around to his house. This is like pre-marriage days. And we would just sit and lose hours where he'd put a song on and then I'd find a song that was linked to it and we'd just go back and forward through his record collection. I love doing that and I've not done that for years. So I thought I'm going to do it on this. So whatever song you play, I'm going to try and find one that complements it or links to it in some way. There you go. So I'm, I'm loving this even more. But that is it for tonight's show. Uh, just before we go, give us a, another shout out for this sponsors, Lee. So again, as always, thank you, John Scott Neil. You're an absolute legend of a guy. And we really appreciate all your continued support. And again, to Kevin at KJK Installations. Thanks one and all, and as always, thank you for listening. Let everyone know where they can find you online, Lee. You can find me on bbc.co.uk forward slash crimewatch. You can find me on Twitter at leeg1903. You can find me Instagram, Facebook, the usual, um, just by searching Lee Gillis or uh, Gillis underscore 89 on Instagram. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me online looking at Victoria's Secrets website. Obviously, it's to try and find some nice new underwear for my wife's Christmas is the reason that I give her when she found me looking at that the other night. You can also <laughs> find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. That's the best one to get hold of me on. And AFT in website as well, which I need to try and get back up and run and do more East 5 stuff from that. Give us a follow on both our YouTube channels, AFT in Canada. Lots of football stuff on that. AFT and website. Lots of oldies, five stuff on that. Glory days of gold. Only one thing up on that. We might add to that. The YouTube stuff didn't go down as well as, as we were hoping, and it's a lot of work. So we'll, we'll see what we do with that. And my final plug, check out Away From The Numbers, aftn.co.uk for all your East Fife historical stuff, and aftn.ca for North American football chat. So one last thing we just want to mention before we go is... The season's starting, it's getting underway, so these shows are going to be a little bit different. What we're thinking is we won't be doing the the long-form interviews. We'll have some quick post-game interviews, we might get Darren Young on once a month or whatever, just to kind of chat about what's happened a month, some, some of the current players. But we won't be doing our in-depth, career, two-hour chats that, that we've had with some of these guys. But we were thinking, obviously folk have really enjoyed these, so we're thinking about maybe doing a Patreon and your bonus once a month podcast will be a, a long form interview that we do with somebody. Now, obviously, we want to make sure that there's a demand for that because we don't just want to be doing a Patreon for maybe, say, six folk or ten people because it's not good for the guy that we're doing the interview for. It's not good for us either. So we'd like to gauge your demand. Would you be interested in having an extra Glory Days of Gold podcast as a patron? 
and maybe paying five pounds a month for that and you'll get some bonus stuff and if we record any other stuff as well that we don't include in the normal show we can put that out as well but primarily you'd be paying just for an extra podcast a month which would be a long form interview so let us know on the socials if you would be happy to do that glory days of gold on twitter glory days of gold at gmail.com by email and it's something we're keen to do but like I say, there's no point in doing it if it's only going to be for a handful of folk because it's it's wasting what would be a really good interview, Lee. Yeah, just to, to give you an idea, again, this isn't a money-making exercise. It, it genuinely isn't. But the, the, this takes up a lot of time between researching, between Michael editing it. I can't take any of the credit for that. But I mean, it's 10 past 11 now and we started interviewing uh, Ken Smith at 8 o'clock. So... That's already been three hours. So if we're doing chats with these guys, that takes a couple of hours. It's, it's a quite a lot of time out of our day to then try and do maybe an interview and um, do a, a, just a normal sort of post-match stuff, which originally, to be honest, was the whole podcast was about. Um, you know, it was actually that we've had two people approach us um, and say to us about doing, in fact, three people approach us about doing a patron but we do want it to be something that, you know, that, that, that there is the demand for. If there's not the demand, then I, I, I don't want to be giving up more of my, my time to do that. Because, um, but if there is the demand, then I'm more than happy to. So please do let us know on the social media. Um, we will try and bring to you as many interviews as we can with the, with the older generation, with the newer generation. Um, we'll do special one-offs. Um, we've got a lot of ideas, but it's, it, it, it will have to be something that, that's totally worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I, I started doing an extra one out here for the, the AFT and Soccer Show, and initially, the first year of it, it was maybe like 30 to 40 subscribers, and I was like, it's like a lot of work, is it worth that? So, I mean, we've got up to near 100 now, so something similar is maybe a, a big ask for, for this, but I mean, I'd, 40, 50, I think is a good number to to for our time, but also for the interviewee's time as well, because we don't want these to then be lost in the ether either and have some good chats so I mean there's going to be times of the season I'm sure where there's like bye weeks and we can maybe like slot some interviews in there as well so yeah definitely let us know but that is it for this week's show we hope you've enjoyed it it's been another long one but it's been another good one we will be back next week talking about some competitive games until then thanks for listening take care and mon the fife Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.